Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Just after 8 o'clock. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was a bit more Tigger than Halloween, uh, wasn't it? It is All Hallows' Eve. And welcome along to the 31st of October live broadcast of Midweek Motorsports Series 13, episode 42, up in London. Our executive producer is Tim Greer. A spooky good evening to you, Tim. If only I'd uh, thought about this in advance, I could have had some spooky effects. You haven't been watching the tweets today, have you? Or Tim Grave, as I was calling you earlier on. G-R-A-Y-V-E. Haven't had time to watch uh, Twitter. I've been too busy looking out of my window at the various ghosts and skeletons that uh, have been uh, running up to the door. Yes. (laughs) Running up to it or running away from it after you'd scythed them down. Um, I did see someone with a scythe earlier. Did you? Yeah. (laughs) And she wasn't dressed in Halloween costume. (laughs) That might have warranted a call to the police. Uh, On a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, We have all the usual features. Excellent. Uh, We have a number of guests from all over the world. Is the number 666? No. Just thinking. Just thinking ahead. Um, Uh, Yeah, we'll have uh, some news in Spanish as well. Uh, oh, really? Notacia a Español. Something like that. Okay. Did you hear on Sky they were trying to... Uh, David Croft was trying to be me at the weekend. Uh, this is the Formula One coverage, yeah. which was from Mexico. Yeah. He, he, was, was he was reading Spanish badly. Yes, but you do it on purpose. I think he might have been as well. Really? Hard to tell with Crofty, in fairness. Um, uh, right. Um, shall I do a bit of housekeeping? Shall I do a bit of yes. haunted house on the hill keeping tonight? Ooh. Right. A little bit of house on the hill. Remember who that was? No. All right. Uh, hello to Michael Denny, who was ready to put his apologies for absence in tonight. But the train company has got into the Halloween fund by providing a nightmare journey. And now I've missed my meeting, so win for me and midweek motorsport it is. Milton Keynes to Northampton. Northampton back to Milton Keynes, then to Nuneaton for a connection to Coventry. Just missed the latter train in there, one an hour, so giving up, have given up and heading back to MK four hours later. Have to laugh, really. Really? Not sure about that. Um, and who else? Jeff I hate Dutt. you wouldn't have to go via Nuneaton. Always makes me hungry. Uh, no, AFA's body has just about got used to the time change. Oh, yes, because, of course, we fell back. Our clocks fell back at the weekend, so I got an extra hour of my birthday on Sunday. Uh, the racing bar steward, be careful how you say that, uh, got the day right this week, listening live, and I've 
also purchased an amazing llama water bottle. Lots of llamas on Twitter this week uh, as well. Do you know what I saw in the shop earlier? What did you see in the shop earlier? Llama cake decorations. Really? It was a Dr. Oetker llama decoration kit. (laughs) Excellent. And it was £4. That's too expensive, isn't it? Yes, that's why I didn't buy one. I'm pretty sure I can make my own llama biscuits. Uh, shuffle your papers. Uh, add specutainment, please, for your spookiness. Spookily, we're still live, which is much better than being dead, obviously. Uh, we'll move on with or the... Or undead. Sorry? Or undead. Or undead. Oh. So if we are live, does that make us the undead just after 8 o'clock? I quite like that. We may have to adopt that for the future. Uh, undead, then, on RS1. Uh, this is Midweek Motorsport, a Series 13, Episode 42. Tim is shuffling his papers and will give us this jingle and the top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Almost shuffled the papers in the wrong direction there and started off with one that wasn't the top story. Oh, really? Was that yeah. something really important? But... Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, the... What happened in tw- at the end of 2012? Uh, there was a New Year's Eve party, uh, December the 31st. Re- uh, be more specific. Someone retired uh, from the WRC. Sebastian Loeb! Yes, yeah, Sebastian Loeb retired from the WRC in 2012. He did. And then uh, in 2013, what did he do? Uh, he, he went... Uh, Long distance rallying, rally raiding, and then uh, did half a season of WRC. He did some WRC, and he won a rally. He did win a rally. Yes. And at the weekend, he did it again. Yeah, he came... Uh, it, it Was that his last contracted run for Citroen? I think it was. Of this season, yes. Yes. And his final guest appearance I watched. Do you know what? I've got to tell you, I watched a bit of that on uh, Sunday. Uh, I spent my weekend uh, travelling up north uh, picking up my dad's ashes um, Joe Bradley had uh, picked them up earlier and I took uh, back control going to the football not with my dad's ashes I hasten to add although he probably wouldn't with have Joe Bradley it. no Bradley was uh, otherwise engaged he was being grandpa that weekend yeah. uh, Sunday probably for the best watched some MotoGP maybe yes um, and then uh, had Sunday lunch with John Sam and then drove back down in time to see the Grand Prix but I did catch some WRC as well and I was struck at just how good the WRC cars look now mm. I'd forgotten about just about how good they look with the wide rear arches and the sound good and the sliding around a bit and and uh, hang on I, I can hear something uh, yeah. in, in, in something something from the far beyond. There's something coming in from the other side. Hang on. Let me talk to the other side. I don't think you're okay. allowed to do that on the this radio. This is going to surprise you. Yeah. I watched live rally this week. <gasps> I watched the live rally stage at about ten o'clock on Saturday. Knock me down. Because I was sitting on my I was doing some Knock work. me down with the talk wrench. I was doing some work for this for what I'm doing this weekend, which is in everything. And it was on. That's RC stuff. And it was live. And I watched it, and I watched the whole of whatever special stage it was, mm-hmm. and um, it, the coverage was terrible. Did you enjoy it? Yes or no? Did you? They didn't like it? skiing, where they, they showed the first couple of corners from one and then skipped on well, towards had, the I end. Well, I think they had a technical problem with it because they first, the first two or three uh, drives that went down. They showed large parts of their first part of the run, and 
then they said they're going off for three minutes, and then the timing stopped showing them going off, and then they just turned up at the end for four quarters of back. So I think they had a technical issue in the rain. I think they had some uplink problems from the onboards, actually. The, um, the, cars, the helicopter shots were great, though. The cars, no. No. no they're not They're not Tony like Pond and a TR7, are they? They're not, you know, not even Yuha Kankan in a where he used to drive, drive. They're not Colin McRae in a, in a Subaru. They're just like, they're just Fiesta hatchbacks being trolled round on. And all they do, what, what do, they do? Like to... what do they do? They just complained about the tyres. Did you, did you not like the, I love the Toyota Gazoo Racing Yaris, or whatever it is. It's a Yaris. Yeah, but it's got big, wide, group five arches on it. How much did you want a Lancia 037? How much did yeah. you want an Audi UR Quattro? I well, never wanted a How much here. did you want? Do you want a Yaris? Right, here's the issue. Mm-hmm. They don't produce cars that look like that. They should put the body kits on the cars yeah. and sell 250 of them. However, sorry, the reason... Uh, listen, this is somebody who bought a Samba Rally. <laughs> no, Two Samba Rallies, in fact. So, I do like small hatchbacks. And I bought no, the no, no. 1360 Rally and I bought... The 1119 rally, which was left-hand drive only, I had both of them, and I drove them in the correct way. Yes. However, I think Mostly it, was, it was very impressive. Sebastian Loeb was doing really well. It but, was but, very but good. But it does kind of say more about the current drivers, doesn't it? Are you going also, to be disparaging about this? the current drivers in the same way as you were disparaging about everyone in MotoGP last week? Possibly. Um, but also, did, who is it? Daniel Elena, his 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 co his co driver. It is. The he's put some timber on, hasn't he? Now he's not <laughs> racing the whole time. <laughs> there is a bit of a weight penalty with this with the co driver. I can tell you, he's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new Loeb. Won the uh, Rally of Catalonia uh, by two point nine seconds over title holder Sebastian Ogier. Mm. Sebastian embarrassed. Uh, OJ's consolation was that he did regain the championship lead by three points from Thierry Nerville, uh, with one rally remaining. Which is? In Australia. It is indeed. It's a long uh, early leader at Tanak recovered to sixth after a puncture. I know, that was the state I was watching. Middle day. Yes. Yeah. When they, I, I didn't realise they had spare tyres in the back. Mm. They carry a lot of things in the back of those Two cars. sometimes. Mm. Uh, the Estonian is 23 points adrift of Ogier. There are 30 points available, so uh, yes. his hopes hang by a thread, apparently. Yeah. 204 points for Ogier, 201 for Nerville, 181 for Tanak. Uh, Australia is going to be very exciting. After we thought that the uh, championship could all have been decided in Britain, it's going right down to the wire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the only Sebastian Loeb news, is There's it? More Sebastian Loeb news? Yes. Yes. Because today he's announced that he will be taking part in his fourth Dakar rally. Yes. So he's no never longer... actually been to Dakar then. No, he's, he's, <laughs> um, that's a good. Que- that's a great quiz question. Right. Has he ever finished in Dakar? No. No. Uh, he will Where be... is it this year? Is it is it Carugan, in Slough? Is it, is it Slough? Uh, it's close, yes. Workington. Starts, starts, starts it's in, in Peru. Oh, the deepest, darkest Peru. Yes, very much. Where Paddington Bear comes from. Well, I was going to say, is it is it Peru to Paddington? Mm. That would be a great rally. Yeah. There'd be a lot of time on a boat. Mm. Well, not necessarily. Well, London to Sydney, where well, they did. You know. 
Uh, he's going to be with an independent team, though, not a works team. He's with PH Sport. Right. He will be joined by a long-time co-driver and a large person, as Nick <laughs> uh, seems to believe, Daniel Elena. Monogasque. And will be hoping to become well. the first privateer to win Dakar since whom? And when? I don't know when, but I'm going to guess it would be someone like... Uh, it would be one of the buggies. So it would be... Schlesser? Or... No, that might have been too early. Um... Oh, that's a good question. It was Jean-Louis Schlesser. Oh! And it was in 2000, so 18 years ago. Uh, oh, that, oh, come on. Come on. Nick is looking unimpressed in front of me. Well, cause and you didn't, disinterested. You had no commitment to that statement. Dragged it out of the back of my mind. Oh, I'll give you half a point for that. <laughs> uh, so, what is Sebastian Loeb's motivation for going back to Dakar? My motivation to, to come back to Dakar just came quite late because uh, it's just a few few time ago um, because I saw um, some videos from Dakar and it remember me some, some good memories and decide to come back and the challenge to come with a private team uh, with a private car is also exciting so it's a kind of adventure that I would like to live again with, with my teammate Daniel. What expectations do you have for 2019? And are you excited to be going back to Peru? Yes, for sure. I'm excited to, to go back. Peru was maybe not the easiest part for me last year. It's the only part I did, finally. But uh, but uh, the motivation is to try to do our best. Uh, we will not have the same cars last year. It's two years before uh, uh, spec. So I don't know if we will be able to fight with the, the guys uh, with the official cars or not. But... Uh, the goal is to have uh, to have fun and to do our best. And looking at the route map, it does appear to be mostly probably seventy percent dunes. How do you prepare for that sort of terrain? It's more difficult to prepare. Also, when you are in a private team, uh, we cannot do a lot of tests. So I will try to organize a test session uh, in December in the dunes, especially. Um, it's for sure not. Uh, the easiest part for me, uh, more rally driver, so driving more on, on tracks and, and but okay, uh, we'll have to, to cope with that. It's it's also fun to drive in dunes and it's it's something completely different. It's, it's also for that that we we go back. And obviously, you're running uh, the same car that you ran two years ago. Is a car exactly the same as it was then or have there been any evolutions to it yeah i think the car will be exactly like two years ago um with maybe the little evolution of the engine we had last year but it's not a big step uh but the rest of the chassis has to be like two years ago because of the regulation now your former teammates are driving for mini in uh, dakar 2019 so do you see them as your main competitors uh, or do you have an advantage over them because you're familiar with the car you're driving and they're not with all the tests they did they know their car uh, it's difficult to know now which car will be more performant i last year with our uh, wide car uh, the big one the maxi we had uh, we were faster than the mini, the mini but um now the Mini improved a lot, I think, uh, on the weight, I, I heard also. 
And compared to the old Peugeot, I don't know. Uh, finally, I hope I will have some chances to fight, but we will see there. Who, who do you see as the front runners for Dakar 2019? Who's going to win? For sure, we have four uh, because uh, Nasser is always fighting. Um, Carlos is always on the maximum attack. Uh, Peter has a lot of experience. Uh, and Cyril is now with the co-driver of Peter, we, who has also a lot of experience. And I think these both, both guys can be dangerous also. So because Cyril is good in the dunes. Cotre is very good in the navigation. So I think these four guys have all the, the chances. And I hope me too. What have you learned from your past experiences of uh, doing Dakar? I learned a lot uh, of the, the past uh, Dakars. Uh, you take a lot of experience year, year after year. And um, I learned the reason to take on different kinds of situations. I, I learned how to, to drive in the dunes, which is not always easy. It's for that that I'm not really concerned to, to have less driving on the test because uh, I, I didn't forget this experience that I, I got in the last uh, years. That was uh, Sebastian Loeb talking to Tim Sorry Greer. properly, John. Sorry. That was Sebastian Loeb talking to Tim Gray earlier in the week. Tim Grave, as he is uh, tonight. It is uh, All Hallows Eve. Uh, no tricks uh, and lots of treats. I ruined that, didn't you? But I even paid that up. What? Went, that was better. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and still to I come... I can confirm that Nick Damon is now loud enough. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he's, he's projecting a bit now. I'll turn, I'll turn down a bit. He's getting warmed up. You know what he's like. It's coming from the diaphragm, love. Um, still to come tonight, second hour of the programme, um, it will be uh, an American flavour as the Team USA Scholarship uh, drivers uh, will be talking to us. Uh, and that's Jake Craig and Colin Mullen. And we'll have an Adams family update as well. Ooh. Did you like that? Um, we share Adam looking at uh, quite a lot of news that we have uh, this evening, including the up-to-date entry list for the Michelin IMSA sports car Encore at Sebring, for which we will have full live coverage in sound and vision here across the Radio Show Limited Network. Where would you like to go next, Mr. René Rast. René Oh, I will say this only once. Jeroen Blickermolen. Yes. yes. Richard Westbrook. Yes. And Nick Damon's favourite, Patrick Heisman. Uh, Carrera Super Cup drivers. Super Cup, Porsche, Cooper, Porsche Super Cup winners. Mm, more. Multiple. For that. Multiple yes. winners. They've all done it in the past, and now the bespectacled Bavarian, Mikhail Amamuller can be added to the list of people who've won back-to-back Porsche Super Cups. Interestingly, because he, of course, before last year, he was the driver who'd been in it the longest and not won the championship. Yes. And now he's done it back-to-back. Second and third in Mexico's doubleheader season finale at the weekend were enough to extend his lead over Nick Yelolita's seven points and give him the driver's title, despite not having won a race since the opening round at Barcelona. Um, I felt a bit for Yellowly. He wasn't very well at the weekend. He had a bit of food poisoning, apparently. And that mustn't be very nice in a no. Super Cup race around no. uh, Mexico 
in the it's altitude. Not, not very nice anywhere. No, <laughs> indeed. Particularly not at altitude and heat. It wasn't that hot, actually, at the weekend, but... Well, not on, on Saturday. Friday. Sunday was very hot. Okay. Uh, Julian Andlauer picked up his first win of the season on Saturday the and BWT then repeated it on Sunday, uh, putting him fourth overall in the championship behind Thomas Prining. Austrian Thomas Prining, who <laughs> is... Would it have been great if he'd Norwegian? Who is the winningest driver of the season. If he's Norwegian, you keep Prining for the fields. <laughs> from the fields. Yeah. Prining from the fields. Yeah. Um, he... Um, I'm letting that go. It's fine. It was just to Is he still a Porsche Junior driver, Prining? Because he did a... Um, last year, he did a, a sort of selected guest events and didn't get a full run, but he has had this year. But he rather disgraced himself last year by, towards the end of the season, this Prining I'm talking about, uh, by piling into a couple of the championship contenders in the <laughs> closing stages and taking them out, which was uh, somewhat frowned upon Takes by... Five, that five, would seven. be frowned upon, yes. Uh, he is still a Porsche Junior driver, though. OK, fine. They must think a lot of them. Can we talk about track limits? Did you yes. watch this race? Have you no. watched any Porsche Super Cup races this I watched, season? I watched the Saturday race, but not the Sunday race. Do they not have track limits in Porsche Super it Cup? It depends where they are. Well, I've watched Silverstone, Hockenheim and Mexico, and they don't seem to have track limits at any of them. Mm. They're at Monaco. They're called walls mm. there, Nick. Mm. I think you'll find... It depends. I suppose it depends. Who's the who's the um, race director? Who's the? I have no idea. Hmm. If it was me, there'd have been three finishers, and the others would all have been black flagged. Wow, he's tough, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. That's how they learn. <laughs> <laughs> They're like puppies. You've got to slap them on the nose once in a while. Because as soon as they graduate Tim Gray, into no one's favourite uncle. <laughs> as soon as they graduate into ELMS or WEC. Uh, you know that Eduardo is going to uh, be giving them a stern talking to if they carry on like that. Well, in fact, during qualifying, they had quite a lot of laps discounted, didn't they? Yes, and actually someone was black flagged on the race on Sunday. Mm. Uh, but I think that's a little too little too, little, little too late. Yeah. There was a couple of places where they say that they're always looking, coming through the S's at the back of the track, so what's that, eight and nine? Um, where... Um, Sebastian Vettel was fond of putting all four wheels off. Anyway, let's. Yeah, I, I was told not to preempt anything, so I won't. Uh, Team Mugen's Naoki Yamamoto won his third race of the season to take the Super Formula title at Suzuka. Uh, he beat Nick Cassidy of Condo Racing into second place to win the championship by a single point, thanks to the three bonus points that wow. were available for winning the season finale. It's a bit naughty. Well, that's a bit interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? If I was Nick Cassidy, I'd be very upset. You've gone quiet again. Oh, right. If I was Nick Cassidy, I'd be very upset. There you go, love. Much better. Project, love. Project. Love. It's a lot. But all I know it's is... Almost it's almost the pantomime show. Dar- 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 oh, no, no, it it's isn't. not. That's behind me. Um, yeah, it's... Um, the only thing I know about the Superformers is it's, they've got a new car next year, haven't they? All haloed up. And this machine... We really do adore it. Yes. It has a halo. Mm. Uh, Condo Racing also won the team's title. Well done, Condo Racing. Uh, right, let's move on to Formula One. Hooray! <coughs> the bad throat today. As you may have noticed over the last 22 minutes, we've got Nick Damon with us. Yes. yes. Uh, can we talk about rich energy? 
Well, I was, oddly, I was... Two years below me at school, the Richard problem, Energy. The biggest problem is, is that I, I, because we were on a strict no preempting thing, when uh, um, John mentioned BWT a minute ago, mm. something else, I was just thinking, wow, not the most dodgy sponsor in the paddock anymore. Mm. Rich Energy, uh, let, let's take you back, way back in time. <laughs> How very Halloween. <laughs> this is a flashback to several weeks ago. It's not um, the longest flashback ever, is it? Ago, really. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, and Rich Energy um, were whinging about not being able to buy Force India and mm. having their the proposal to buy the struggling Force India yes. uh, turned down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that they were mostly not being taken seriously was, was what? Remind me, Nick. Um, we have an international audience... And no one knows where to buy Rich Energy. Do, is there a product called Rich Energy? Well, I think Energy? there is, somewhere. Right. But not a product that can afford to sponsor someone for £35 million, pounds, or with the, the buyout. Was How say. many do we think they're selling? Well, so far, no one's actually said that. I think I, think, I did I, see a I picture know where, of one I can. know where they're selling them. Where? Really? Yes. Where? They're in the bar of the Hilton Hotel in Manchester. Oh. I sent you there last week. And mm. of certain Marriott hotels. Well, there we are. And they are the only energy drink you can find Mm. in the Amber Lounge. Well. The Amber Lounge where? Ibiza. Well, it travels around, doesn't it? Monaco, Mm. Singapore. I'll ask Martin Hall about that. Well, there we are. Hello, Holly. Given the fact that, obviously, there is no saturation in the energy drink market at all, it's still open to many, many more new energy On an evening where it's the Carabao Cup, the second most popular uh, energy drink in... Thailand, mm-hmm. probably behind Rich Energy, no, or not? No, no, not at behind all. The, behind the brand that actually comes from Thailand. No, no, they're Half only the third. Thailand. Really? Ooh. Yes. What's first then? Oh, I, you asked me this last time, and I had to it's look monster. it up. Can, can we monster, can we have the football results to prove that uh, we're live while I look that up? Uh, we certainly can. It's not really results; it's later scores. Yes. All I, all I know about Richard, Richard Energy, go back, is obviously I know nothing about them. They seem very dodgy, and they were going to sponsor Williams up until about ten minutes before they signed the contract, and then the last minute they're going to sponsor Haas, and Haas are going to become Rich Energy Haas and stop being sponsored by themselves or by their, um, um, you know, um, what they call um, drilling machines, not drilling machines, um, computer CNC machines, they're computer controlled uh, drilling machines. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, also, and everyone's now going. Now they're not with Williams, and now they're going to be with uh, Haas for less money. Everyone's going. Oh, did you do your due diligence? They're very dodgy, you know. Um, so yes, so it's kind of uh, uh, a combination of who the heck are you? Um, you weren't allowed to buy Force India because you were a bit dodgy, and now you've 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 reneged on one deal and gone somewhere else. So you must be even more dodgy. Uh, um, it's by the it's way, one nil, two two, nil one, nil nil. Oh, is it? One nil, nil one, one nil one. one. Apparently, everyone in Thailand, uh, on average, drinks three gallons of energy drink per year. Mm. Well, there we are. <laughs> mm. We've stopped. What's your next question, Tim? Yep. I was just trying to calculate what that equated to per day. Yes. Well, three gallons a year? Yes. Well, that's 24 pints in the UK. So it's not very much, really. It's only half a pint a week. Half a pint a week. So it's divide that by can. seven, That's we're looking at one fluid ounce, basically, yeah, aren't we? It's, more it. it's probably 24 calendars a week. Um, I've never noticed the tyres being lacking in energy, honestly. 
No, I'm sure they drink other things as well with energy in them. Mm. M150 is the most popular right. energy drink in Thailand. There 65% of the Thai market. M150. Wow. $500 million a year. Wow. Produced by Bangkok-based firm Os- Osotspa. Osotspa. Probably not said like that. There you go, M150. But it's cheap. Um, they're all cheap because they're all in tiny little bottles. They're like little medicine bottles. It's non-carbonated. Ah. And it's about um, 20p, 25p, 30, 30 cents a bottle out there. And and Red Bull's the same. Red okay. Bull is in it's small bottles. bottles as well, like a medicine bottle. Anyway, sorry. I couldn't remember what it was called, but now I have. M150 is the most popular. Johnny yeah. Palmer must be wishing he'd stayed in Portugal. Oh, okay. That is he Black- back? I mean, it's Blackpool. He, he flew Bradley. back just oh, he's to gone go to the Carabao to, Cup. Uh, to to, Carabao to, Cup, didn't he? He's gone to the Emirates, hasn't he, to see uh, the Tangerine Dream playing the Gooners? Yeah. Was, was that the nil four? No, that was the one nil. Oh, oh right. oh, don't tell me. I'm watching that later. Well, it's only twenty minutes in. Mm. Plenty of time. The nil four is actually uh, in a, a different cup competition, the Copa del Rey. Ah. The last time I went to the Emirates, we were 2-0 down by about 20 minutes. That was a League Cup game as well. And I said if they scored a game before half-time, I was going to go and leave and try to get back to the flat before Eve, who's a Gooner supporter, came back in from her work night eight. Uh, And we won (laughs) 3-2. So I'm pleased I stayed to the end. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Who won the Unicorn del Dia? Award at the weekend. The Unicorn of the Deer Award? Yes. Uh, are we still on Formula One? Yes. Uh, this is uh, something that was unexpected then? or uh, Well, unexpected for him to win anything this season. Armand Van Buren, the DJ, who no. was playing at the end. Um, Jan Magnussen. Stoffel Van Dorn. You were close. Stoffel Van Dorn? What, yeah. for actually getting some points? Apparently. Huh? It sounds like a Monaco cover a North London Primary School Sports Day giving him that. He's the unicorn sprinkly princess, sparkly princess, is he, for the weekend? I've come to a stop for the egg and spoon race. What, um, can we talk about Alonso since we're talking about his teammate? Are you yeah, talk you can talk about, about Alonso. Did oh, you God. notice how much happier Alonso was that he was getting away early this week? Mm. Last week, not happy at all because someone drove into him. This week... Bit of a car, broke his car. Not my fault, nobody else's fault. I can get away early. I've Fantastic. Gone. I've left. He'd gone in his head, hadn't he, when he was doing that interview? Well, at that point, obviously, the one chance he had to reclaim the most laps driven by a driver ever had gone, so he's got nothing to play for now. Well, that's, that assumes that he doesn't come back and drive more Formula One in the future. Yeah, but he's not going to come back and drive any more Formula One in the future. He might do some guest drives for might someone. Do a guest drive? No. It's Fernando Alonso, of course he will. The... Okay. The only way Alonso will come back... Ferrari! The only way Alonso will come back, and you can write this down as one of Nick's great predictions, is, and it's only going to happen if somebody is unable to drive for medical grounds. Yes. But that's not going to happen, so... He he could only afford to lose 20 laps, couldn't he? There was 190-something, and he needed 174, and uh, he didn't make one. To be fair, if you're going to go for a record like that, you want to be winning it by quite a margin, not just by one. Well, and also... Why? It's a record. But also, well... Yeah, but, but you want it to be unbeaten for a while. But also, don't you want the winner not 
tooling around at the back. Sorry, I was trying to think of another word. I know I'd be happy backwards. tooling around at the back if I got my name in the record books. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm not a racing driver. You're not a driver. The results of the Mexican Grand Prix, when was that decided? <coughs> well, after the last lap, wasn't it? Some would say it was uh, back in mid-August. When everybody picked their tyres. When they picked the number Very of good. different tyre compounds. Yeah, that, that didn't go well. Um, yes, that was a complete farce, wasn't it? I mean, the, the issue was that last year um, they were on all. They were basically a step up, a step and a half up, and the tyres, the tyres, harder, the harder tyres, and the tyres lasted really well. And oh, it's really boring because the tyres have lasted so well. So they whacked out the chewing gum tyre. They're not quite so chewing gum tyre, and the all right tyre. No, you see, you say that. And I, I, I have to go with the BBC radio commentary here. Really? Yes, surprisingly. Um, even though I can't tell the two commentators apart. Um, the um, chewing gum would be great for a tyre because it's sticky and goes on forever and you can't get shot of it. They're not chewing gum tyres. Patently, obviously, they're not because they don't last at all. They disintegrate. And chewing gum that disintegrated would dissolve in your mouth and not be chewing gum. And not be very sticky, and not get caught in your shoe, and not be horrible and stuck everywhere and disgusting on the streets. It'd be like be caramel, allowed. wouldn't it? That's no, right. But no, I'm sorry, but you're, 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 you're was some parts of that analogy correct? The fact, the point about the chewing gum is, if you have a, say, you have chewing gum rolled around a a circular a thing, rim, a yes. rim, and the chewing gum deposits itself on the track as it would do because the track is stickier than the rim, then at that point you've got no chewing gum or any tread left. Yes, but that's, there. it's not quite what happened, is it, though? No, the it tyres just... went off, basically, really quickly. Um... So what we've, what we've found is that the only thing that Pirelli are worse then than producing tyres is giving any kind of reliable data. So their data is less reliable than their tyres. Well, because... they had no data, did they? Because they were using a compound that they hadn't run before on this circuit. Yeah, and don't forget, the other compounds, which are the same colour, are actually slightly different anyway. It was I don't confuse people, Nick. It, it was true, though. It was rubbish. It was a rubbish choice, um, and it... And they gave people the wrong information on which to base... the now, result of the race, but, but, but that's But that said, Nick, we've been seeing that it's been too boring. What we found out... What did we find out the weekend, other than the unreliability of Pirelli's tyres and their tyre data, mm-hmm. which, frankly, anybody who's looked at motorsport in the last 30 years knows that they can't make tyres that last anyway. That's why they've never been any good in endurance racing. Um, well, ask anybody who drove Pirellis in the American Le Mans series mm-hmm. and how many different compounds they made that still went off after five laps on the rear tyres of uh, sports cars. Um, the other thing that we found out, that Adrian Newey may be able to draw nice, sleek, good-looking <laughs> cars, but they still produce all of the downforce of a barn door at 90 degrees to the direction of travel, which yeah. is why they didn't wear their tyres out. No, and that's true. And the thing is, though, and it was interesting because everyone was going on... And that's not criticism, by the way. No, going marvellous. Well, well done, Adrian Newey. But when you design a car that is designed from scratch to work at three tracks, mm-hmm. Mexico, Singapore and Monaco, Monaco uh, and you have a relatively successful because you've actually managed to win two of those, it's a much easier concept than designing a car that has to try and work at 21. So all the gnashing and wailing of teeth when Ferrari and Mercedes get it wrong, we all forget the 17 races where, where the best Red Bull could do was 5th and 6th because they weren't in the ballpark. 
And and this is why people are saying, oh, wow, look how good they were in Mexico. Next year, they've got at least 50 more horsepower. They're going to be brilliant. No, they'll just be faster in Mexico. Because you it, the, the, the trade-off of downforce and drag is completely different in Mexico. Because you've got the drag, not just drag, because there's less air. And piling on your high downforce package, fabulous, well done. Mm-hmm. You know, But the a, car's high downforce when it's on its... Yeah. Monza settings compared to everybody Which is else. why it was nowhere. Because it's inherently dragging. And when they do get 50 more horsepower, then they're going to have to work out how to design a car that works at 21 races. And once again, I'm sure it's an 50 inalienable more. fact that, as you quite rightly say, that Adrian's cars always produce the most downforce, but they also always produce the most drag. And there's efficiency elements into that. And they're also fighting teams who've been trying to answer a different question. Now, when they're trying to answer the same question again... Then we'll find out whether they, you know, it's very 50, likely 50 next horsepower year, isn't enough to overcome the extra drag they've got. Well, they will, they will be competitive at more tracks. Or they'll have to roll off so their low downforce configuration but will got, be so low got, downforce yeah. that they can't get round the corners, yeah, we've which is what we've seen. But you know what, Nick, I don't have an issue with that. I quite like yeah, the fine. fact that some people, that's why I like sports car racing, because you have variety and some cars are better at some types of circuits than others mm-hmm. and aren't as good at the ones that their competitors are good at. That's what makes it interesting. And God bless him, Adrian, Ho- Adrian, Christian Horner is, you know, he's, he's saying we need help, we need this, we need that because we can't get near them. Look at how much quicker they are down the straights than we are. Well, then design a car that's not as draggy. Yes, but they are. They are. I mean, the point about it is, is that if they then are starting from a similar scratch by having the same amount of power, though um, there are questions also about fuel consumption as well, um, then they will have to design a car that's man for all seasons, not a man for three tracks, and then we will see. Um, how close Red Bull are. Red Bull will be closer next year, um, assuming everyone develops in the correct way because they should have more power. <laughs> but it's, you know, this this hyperbole you get. Keep going. Finish your thoughts. The hyperbole you get about oh, from, from one race. You know, everyone was saying when, when Max won them there last year, oh, it's a, it's a turning point. It's not a turning point. It's a car that's been effectively spent the second half of the season being designed for this race. Do we think that uh, Christian Horner sounds a lot like Alanis Morissette? Isn't that ironic? What was ironic about uh, the Alanis Morissette song, Ironic? No, no, it wasn't Not ironic. many of them were actually ironic. No. Indeed. And uh, Christian Horner uh, displays a lack of understanding of irony at the weekend. Go on. Uh, when, uh, on Saturday, Max Verstappen had the opportunity to uh, become the youngest uh, pole sitter mm-hmm. in Formula One. Mm-hmm. And didn't. And didn't. Uh, he said, well, he would be taking that away from uh, Sebastian Vettel, who uh, ironically uh, was also in a Red Bull. No, coincidentally. People uh, have more a problem. Uh, more importantly, Toro Rosso. It was a Toro Rosso. But let, let's not get facts uh, stand in the way of uh, coincidence disguised as irony. Mm. That sounds like a good title for a book does maybe your autobiography could be that not sure I, i'm one of the few people who, do, who doesn't believe there's a novel in me <sighs> there, might, there must me. be a biography though <laughs> well it's got about seven interesting pages and 500 pages of philip i'll give it a go um 
Alan Prosser has tweeted in, uh, no EFAs tonight, the Moor has cried enough and the collector broke, so I've made my own recard track lines around the garden, which is excellent, by the way. He's done really, really well on this. And then he has pointed out, nice garden, by the way, Alan. Blimey. Blimey, O'Reilly. He's a landed gentry. That's, that looks like an orchard. It's about 74 acres, that is. That's very impressive. But then he points out... Uh, regarding um, rich energy, you can't even buy rich energy on Amazon. Amazon! Amazon. <laughs> in covered letters. That's fantastic. So, um, yes. Moving on. Are you listening to Midweek Motorsports? I'm just looking at Alan Prosser's garden. Mm, it's nice, yeah, isn't it? Prosser. Big enough for us to have garden. a Christmas quiz in. Ooh. Yeah, but we'd have to do it in the summer because I'm not doing anything outdoors in December. In this it is currently Rich Energy's case country. of twenty four is currently unavailable and they don't know when it will be back in stock. Oddly, because it was never in stock to begin with. Uh, I'm going to throw some names at you. Oh, right. Go on then, Fatty. Federico Malvestiti. Yes. Yes. Not a driver. Petr Tacek. Right. Not a driver. Leonardo Lorandi. <laughs> are these are these people who were part of the Up Pompeii cast? Gianluca Petikoff. Right. They are all drivers who did not win the Italian Formula 4 championship this season. Right. right. Uh, because with two wins at Mugello at the weekend, that has gone to Enzo Fittipaldi. So have we... Have we, we finished F1, have we? We finished F1, yes. Wow. Can, can we can just say a little point? Congr- yes. yes. Can we just can say congratulations to Mr. Hamilton? Is that allowed? Yeah. Yes. Five times winner. Quite, you know, quite important, really. Max Verstappen would have won it if he'd been in the same car, he said. No. We all would have won it if we'd been in that does car. Remember, does anyone remember Max's start of the season? When he hit everything, including his teammate. Who, at the start of the season, said Lewis would win again? Everyone. Everyone yeah. did. It was just a bit more complicated. Best car, best driver, more complicated, we thought, best team. I think equally good car, best driver. Yeah. You were, you were conned into that, Nick. I wasn't. No, you were. No, I wasn't. You were. <laughs> Well, that's the, uh, the, the F1 review done. and <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be really short this year, that one, isn't it? So, uh, so Italian F4, sorry, we uh, we got we got a side, sidetracked by Enzo, a world champion. Yeah, how can you be? Five times no, a world let's champion. talk about the Italian Formula 4. It's almost on the same level. It is. Enzo Fittipaldi. That's what people expect of this show. I know. Any it's relation? To Pietro? Uh, yes. Brother? And nephew of Max Pappis. Ah, yes. It's very incestuous up there in Brazil, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Who uh, is a friend of yours, I believe, Nick? Max. Well, I know reasonably well. I, I, Good I, lad. I, yes. Um, Which, he's a big friend. Can I? Can I just say the Max-sized friend? Absolutely. Not called Max for nothing. <laughs> Everybody and knows. And have a big William, for obvious reasons. If only the crotch belt knew about him. Um, now, um, <laughs> Christian Filipaldi, yes. subject of our uh, thing. Long one tireless, of our long most one. recent ones, yes. Um, and uh, you'll have another opportunity to hear that uh, in the next couple of weeks before it gets podcasted, if you haven't uh, heard it so far. Keep an eye on the schedule. Tim's going to stick it in the schedule again, aren't you, Tim? 
Yes, I'm just uh, wondering if it has already been podcasted. It hasn't. No, it hasn't. I, I believe it's uh, due for being podcasted on the 4th of November. Oh, is it? God, this is very accurate. Can, I, you, pl- I, can you play it tonight? I after had, the show? I had no idea there was have an organisation Have you got time to stick it in after, the sh- after this show tonight? I might be able to do that. It's very worthwhile. I thoroughly enjoyed having a chat. I didn't talk a lot, which people have been really? very happy about. Blimey. No, he, t- he talked a lot. Actually, no, I, didn't. I listened to it. Well. So I, was, I listened to most of it on yeah, the... Yes. On the plane on the way to... Uh, no, on the headphones, walking around... Uh, Petit. Oh, yes, Petite. We played out of Petite, didn't we? Sorry. Uh, Enzo Fittipaldi. Yes. The younger brother of Pietro. And... And what's his next step, then? From uh, Where do you go after Italian F4? I would think he's going into uh, F3. F3? Well, but we're not going to talk about that. I'll oh, okay. talk to you about that. Okay. <laughs> the, oh, this story not, is that's not, not that's here not, to tee us up to talking about that. Right, that's not okay. a preemptive thing we're not allowed to talk about. It's just we're right. not talking about it. Okay. We're not talking about that. That's a very... In fairness, Tim, I think none of us are going to argue. Much not we'd love week. to argue. Yeah. No. Please. How about an F3 moratorium for the rest of the year? Mm. Certainly for the rest of this month. Okay. Right. <laughs> Uh, which 36-year-old ex-Formula One driver is uh, turning to politics? Oh, I know this. Go on, then. Um, oh, what country? I read this at the weekend. It's gone out of my head. Tim, what country? Japan. Oh, no. Then it's not. Okay, Katia. No, he's too young. Um, oh, in which case, I don't know. No, who is it? Well, think of some recent Japanese Formula One it's Kumo Sata drivers. Who is the awful one who got banned? Katayama. No, no, yeah, um, um, ta- no. The one who was driving the Super Guru anyway. was awful. Takenue. No, it's a long time ago. Um, who was the awful one? Tim, you know the awful one. What was his name? I banned. do. I can't remember his name. Uh, um, Satoshi. Um, so you've got uh, so there's a, Nakajima and you've got Kobayashi. Is it Kobe? It's not Kobayashi, is it? And I'm trying to think who else was there. In F1 recently, in the last 10 years or so. It was Yuji Ide who had Yuji his super license yes. taken away. Is it... Um, Takuma Sato, Kazuki Nakajima, Kamui Kobayashi, are they all too young? No, um, uh, it's not... What's, um, Satoru Nakajima? He's far too old to be 36. Um, Sinji, Sinji Nakano. It's not Shinji Nakano. He's also far too old to be 36 oh, right. now. right. I don't know. Uh, Sakon Yamamoto. Oh! Tip of my tongue. He is uh, going to be standing for the Liberal Democratic Party in next summer's House of Representative election. Oh, okay. Didn't he? Didn't he get the seat after Eugene Deer was kicked out when he lost his super license? When Deer lost his super license? No. Are you sure? No, because he sure? ran with he ran with somebody else, didn't he? Yes. Super Aguri. No, didn't he, run with, didn't he actually run with somebody else? And he did Spiker there in 2000. And sorry, I've looked it up now. It, HRT. It was a yeah, he did. Signed as a test driver Super Aguirre following the revoking of Edir's super license. Two for two tonight. Was test driver, not replacement race. No, driver. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry. Anyway, I so got part for, of it right. So, and it, so well, I, I'm it's sure. good for me. John Louis Schlesser, that's I'm, all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not going to criticise that one. Uh, so, yes, we, we, we managed to get, not get any Japanese drivers particularly correct, so I see a game show there. But uh, So, <laughs> are the Liberals, in, are they the, comp- the party in power in Japan? They've the pretty much been in power continuously Forever. for 60 years, apart from two terms. Um, the House of Representatives is the upper house of Japan's parliament. Okay. And the Liberal Democratic Party is generally to the right I of centre. I would have thought 36, and this is just... Is quite young 
in Japan, where Japan, for that sort of thing, because Japan is very much a, uh, you know, society that reveres experience and reveres age. So yeah, I'm surprised somebody's 36 going into the, the upper church. Church? Well, he hasn't been elected yet. Course, no, but he's standing for he's it. He's to the, the right the, of centre, but he, he can't make another move back. That's he can true, only make yeah, the one yeah. move, obviously. And, of course, the biggest problem is if you, if you, if you go far right or far left, you're outside track, track limits. limits, and that's it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Get called by the steward. That's, that's how they make sure there's no extremists in Japan now. Yes. You get called for track limits. Exactly right. Uh, policies include subsidies for farmers and same-sex marriage. What, of the farmers? <laughs> same-sex farmers for marriage who are subsidised for that point. Excellent. Well done. That's electable, I would have thought. Let's be honest, Ben, can't argue with either of those two things. No. Uh, should we talk about some sports cars? Yes. Go on, then. Uh, <laughs> Sam DeHaan and Johnny Cocker Yes. will be in a newer... Uh, Lamborghini or a can than the one that the they Evo. raced British this year. Uh, British GT, sorry. Not in British Superbikes, no, John. No, no, Br- <laughs> I British tell you GP, what. I said. Not British G's, not British GT. The odd thing is, everywhere apart from Cabwell, they would win in that, wouldn't they? Probably. It'd be interesting what the lap times of a GT3 Lamborghini are compared to a Superbike. I mean, obviously, they make uh, lap times in completely different places. Indeed. Apparently, probably the Superbike might win. Actually. It's good to have John, do you know that would be? Let's have that. You know we should have that would be a great television program for a, any defunct motorsport type channel. Mm. Um, <laughs> Where would you find one of those? Rivals, like a rivals event. Mm. So odd, odd things racing around tracks. So you've got the best last lap time, not necessarily together because you make lap times in different ways, but sort of time attack type of things. That's I'd like idea. to see that. I'd like to see that. I'd like to put a greyhound against an original mini. Uh, the Greyhound wouldn't have the stamina to do a full lap. They can do that. Greyhounds will do 1,500 metres. So you'd have to do it on a short lap then. Mm-hmm. Somewhere like Brand's Indy Circuit. Perfect. Brand's Indy Circuit. Greyhound chasing a rabbit. You've got The only problem is running the wire for the rabbit. Well, um, no, you'd have a wire. Surely you'd have the wire being towed behind another car. Oh, that's a really good idea. What if the yeah. Greyhound's faster than the car? No, because the car... The no, car that you'd the have greyhound, a faster the car. Greyhound maxes max out at about, I think, 42 miles an hour. But the Mini would take... An original Mini, which was so underpowered, and most of its power went through its gearbox and didn't come out the other end. Apparently I, had, I was passed by a Mini apparently today. They had, it had I a straight-cut box. There was a, a dog box, funny enough, and there was more noise coming from the gearbox there was than a gu- there was in the There engine. was a guy who I... Well, the guy I still know, who... who in RC, but historically he did rallying with Minis back in the original day, in the 60s. And he said the original 850 Minis had nine horsepower at the wheels. Because they'd lost no. everything else. No. They only had 24 at the start. It's ridiculous. Because those early side valve and they weren't very powerful running on 82 Ron petrol. They do run Ron. They do run Ron. So I like that idea. Rivals. A rivals event. Yeah, so have you, and you'd interview the Greyhound afterwards, would you? Oh, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd have no, any breath I'd, left. I'd bark at the wrong tree. But um, you'd have uh, to pause weeks at the ago, end of it. Yes. Uh, we spoke to Richard Dean. You did? Has he got a Greyhound? Has he got an Huracan? Um, about the Asian Le Mans series. Yes. And today they've announced who's going to be in their other car. Other car. Who was it? Uh, Matt Bell. Yes. Jim Maguire and oh. Kay Van Burlow. Oh, that's strong. That's Matt Bell, Rob's Bell, Rob Bell's faster, better looking younger brother. Two out of the three, certainly. Well, that's, that's what he always tells me to say. You mm. can't argue with the younger one. <laughs> <laughs> Taller. 
and more astute. Mm, that's true. Still just as Geordie, though. That's not good for you, is it? No. Actually, apart from them being Geordies, they're nice lads. That's quite a big uh, part. Jim Maguire made his uh, debut with um, United Auto Sports uh, in 2016 yeah, at the Golf ago. 12 Hours. Yep. Uh, and uh, since then, he's been racing in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, with some success as yes. well. It's good lad, Jim Maguire. Very been good lad. Been on the podium occasionally. Kev Van Berlo, um is Dutch. Another very steady pair of hands. Doesn't end up facing in the wrong direction very often, which is, is always a good thing. young guy in P3, because he also raced with his dad in a Porsche for Creventic. Yes, he did. And actually knows how to wield a four-pound lump hammer after an accident. Yes, he does. Quite good, a bit of I like work. that. He's been doing uh, the European Le Mans series this year. Won at Monza in the uh, ro- and uh, also won the Road to Le Mans race at Le Mans this year. Best place to win the Road to Le Mans at Le Mans. Actually, sure, if there's a Road to Le Mans and you're at Le Mans, sure you just stop. Otherwise, you'd be taking a road away from Le Mans. Asian Le Mans series starts in China on the 24th of November. China bikes. Hooray! Oh, was not expecting a hooray there. Why? Uh, MotoGP. Oh, Alan Prosser. He's on fire tonight. <laughs> not literally, obviously. He says, uh, like he the idea... He's around on his garden. <laughs> yes, well... That pushes out. He said... That's uh, <laughs> very good. He said, uh, the... He uh, loved the idea about the rival series, but the Greyhound would have to be on the grass because it wouldn't have any grip on the tarmac. Yeah, it, 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 they do tend to run a sort Jonathan of Jonathan Palmer wouldn't like that. Sort of, well, no, because I think... Is there still a racetrack at Aintree? For then you cars, have the cu- yes. No, but there's obviously a, a horse racing track as well for the horse racing. Ooh. Does Goodwood still have their, their different places, aren't they, Goodwood? Yes, um, yeah. one's at the top of the hill. Yeah, yeah and one's one at the bottom of the Aintree hill. was the same place, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I know someone who uh, actually raced at Caterham around Aintree Caterham. a couple of years ago. Really? Hmm. Does the track still exist? I didn't realise the water circuit still Well, exists. I hope so. Otherwise, uh, well, he'll have uh, not impressed the groundsman. For some reason, he tried really, really hard, but he couldn't get the cage member Beaches Brook. Don't know why. No. That must have been the Ortman Ditch that did it. It just refused. Yeah. <laughs> Different form of equestrianism, that. <laughs> Three faults. <laughs> Moving on. Hindy's spooky voice sounds like Chuckles the Monkey. Have you seen that? Twins? That was very early on, yes. That was me trying to do the... <laughs> The uh, the thriller style thriller. Vincent Price. <laughs> Vincent Price. <laughs> but it didn't quite work like that. That, that ended up being the laughing policeman. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not scary. You're not, you're cuddly. No, I am. Right. <laughs> I'm very happy. Have scary. you had enough of MotoGP? Or uh, no, MotoGP at the, the weekend. Well, well, two things. Uh, well, one first, big thing. Well, first big win things. for Yamaha in 25 races. For Maverick Vinales. 300 and 600 and so many, how would I do a, a billion days. A billion days. Um, and Maverick did the, the job. The, the bike still didn't look great, but he rode it very well. And actually, we should have had three Yamahas at the front because um, the private air bike was going really well until it hit the back of Mark S. That wasn't anyone's fault. It was uh, no. uh, they're very very close. A lot it of, could have I been think, a lot worse. I think he got a double slipstream effect, didn't he? And that, and then they, they braked, and he clipped the back of Marcus. Marcus didn't didn't come off, but it still broke the car. So he must have broke the exhaust. Oh, sorry, the bike. Well, we've and, we've seen the sensors knocked off the back of the bikes before. And Zarco, 
just went, it was what he was doing, when he hit the bike, 200, miles an, 200 miles an hour, and just went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And then got up and walked away. Airbags. Same to you. Thank you. Airbags. In, in fairness, his leathers, other than being a bit dirty when he hit the grass, it was his left shoulder that had taken mm. the biggest hit. And it was extraordinary. I've seen worse damage to leathers, high side or even low side. When I low sided my um, JSX 750 up around Derwent Wet Reservoir, there was more damage to my leathers at 50 miles an hour than there was on Vidalis coming off at uh, Zarco coming Do off you at feel Zarco says so might have been a slightly higher quality to begin with. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and then obviously they, they said it was a good, good five-way fight. Marcus wasn't there because he probably would have won if he had been there. But Vinales won, and it's just you know the question really with with the that's massive for Yamaha though. Is it's, it's a monkey off the back, but it does as you say it doesn't necessarily mean they've improved the bike. Bike looked awful. It's, it, the the big problem they've got is when it's full of fuel at the start of the race, it literally doesn't want to turn. Yeah, the problem is. That, Rossi can handle that bit at the start of the race, and Maverick likes it at the end of the race. Because you know, Mavignyai's all year has been coming forward too late, and Rossi has been had as best holding or fading. So they've got the bike set up to take, as you say, accounts of the vagaries of the bike as it loses 22 kilos of weight, which is obviously a big proportion of weight in a in a bike. Uh, and that has caused them a little problem. And they, apparently, there's an impasse about the methodology of moving forward because Maverick wants one thing and uh, Rossi wants something else. And that has caused some of the issues, this consternation about how to move the bike forward or a lack of agreement. A bit of news about people moving on to... Uh, I need to say something to... first for Declan. Yes. Alvaro Bautista came fourth. Yes. Um, and, and apparently... Reaping he's... Declan's uh Yep, and Declan has now told, has now told the entire world that he is going to uh, beat Johnny Ray next year in World Superbikes. Well, I hope he's right. But Johnny Ray got, got, got off... Uh, oh, sorry, can I say this, Tim? Can we stay with bikes? Yeah, just keep talking about uh, Johnny. Johnny Ray, of course, got off with that only half of half week weekend's work, didn't he? Yeah, because they were rained, rained off, in, off Qatar. in Qatar. Had they been at Silverstone, they'd have been fine. Absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely weekend. Big uh, course, wouldn't but... really. They'd have got into a massive trouble uh, because Burkett Relay was on the track. <laughs> was... Do you know what? I'd pay to see that. Uh, yeah. And the Greyhound. <laughs> and the Greyhound as well. <laughs> That's right. It's another part of our rival series. <laughs> We, we always want to talk about this and get this, get this uh, patented. Um, Hello, yeah, Whisper Films. Are you listening? Just if people are wondering why rain in Qatar is a particular problem, it's because it's under the lights and there's yes. a reflective situation. Yes, I did see somebody tweeting, oh, what a shame they didn't take any wet tyres. No, that wasn't the case. It's been a problem before for MotoGP, in fact. Mm. When they were there, normally at the start of the, their season, of course, um, with the rain on the track, it's the reflections uh from the of one billion watts of lighting around the uh, Losar. It's reflections circuit. of how things used to be. Absolutely. But Johnny Ray did win uh, the one race that happened, so he's now won 11 on the spin, uh, and he can take his run into next season. Um, who was uh, named as KTM test rider for next year? And um, everybody went, A? Uh, for MotoGP? Yes. Danny Pedroza, wasn't it? Yes. That was ages ago, wasn't it? Well, it was confirmed last week, oh, right, weekend. Okay. And everybody went. Uh, See, there's a question really? about that. Yeah, Danny obviously has had a bit of a fade this year in his last year of, of running. There's a big issue with Danny being a test rider, mm-hmm. and that is he is not the shape of any other rider in the world. That's a good point. He's five foot nothing and fifty kilos, um, which is why he's always done this. Which is why, in many ways, he was always a little bit too small. 
to be a uh, 500 MotoGP rider and why he was particularly strong in, in 250s because that, that size was playing to an advantage in a much more power limited and physically smaller, physically smaller and easier to ride uh, environment. But the bigger bikes have often caused him a problem despite the fact he always got a good start because his power to weight ratio was great. So if you've got a man who is not the normal size setting up a bike and that's a much bigger thing, the movement of the, the, the rider is much bigger thing than the, than the driver in a, on a car. Is anything he finds going to be transferable? Very good. Very good. Uh, one more story before nine o'clock. Yes, if you're in Northern Ireland this weekend, <laughs> right, and you want to see two motorcycle legends, right, and the 1989 British Formula Ford champion, right, then you're in for a treat. Is it a local fate? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, it was the 1989, 1989 Formula Ford. Yeah, not a clue. Come on, we've talked about this in each of the last two episodes. Really? <laughs> David Cawthard. Oh, yes. Jeremy McWilliams. Oh, yes, good. Obviously. And Ryan Farker. Right. What's Ryan Farker one? Uh, three out of Man T's. Oh, right, okay. That's not, that's not a championship. There's a one-off race. Uh, he's also uh, the rider with the most road racing wins in Ireland. What year did you say? 1989. 1989? British Formula 4 champion? Yes. Uh, according to the record books, it was Bernard Dolan in a Renard. In a Renard. There were about 11 different Formula 4 championships yes. in those days. Uh, Coulthard Did, will be performing a full Coulthard. repertoire of donuts. Really? What, cream donuts, ice donuts, <laughs> ring Some donuts, ring donuts, donuts. If you watched the uh, Bake, Bake Off finale yeah. last, fi- last night, you'll see a uh, full repertoire of what a full repertoire of donuts should look like. Uh, some of them weren't stuffed enough, though. Uh, he'll be doing that at uh, 8pm, 8.30 and 9pm in front of City Hall. Is he doing fish and chips after that? Uh, McWilliams uh, will be on a KMR Kawasaki. And there'll also be uh, drift champion Connor Shanahan putting on a spectacular display of four-wheel prowess at Donegal Square. Terrific. Uh, events free to uh, the public and uh, the site opens from 7.30. Sounds on like Saturday. a lovely day out. Far be it from me Uh-oh. to argue with... John's about to argue. about what he's won. Yes. Well, I can't find him having... Won the 1989 Formula Ford. Did he win no. like the, the actual championship? Did he win like the championship brands? Because there were some local ones. Oh, uh, I know. Hang on. British Formula Ford Championship, it says there. And yet, in the British Formula Ford Championship uh, 1989, it doesn't have him as the winner. 89, no. Mm. How very odd. Press, um, that, press the 89 thing and see if that actually gives you the whole season. No. Well, well, that's a mystery. I need, I need to know now. Well, I feel this is a gap in my knowledge. Well, while you're talking to uh, two more uh, drivers who've been racing Formula Ford cars recently after nine o'clock, yeah. uh, I will go and look through my old uh, records and find out the truth. Uh, well, according to the the website of of records, 1989, Bernard Dolan in a Renault. 
and I am looking at British Formula Ford mm. champion. The same British Formula Ford championship that had Michael Verges in 1990, Mark Goosens in 91, Jason Watt in 94, Jensen Button in 98. It's a lot of time without a British winner, wasn't it? Uh, Andrew Gilbert Scott and Dave Coyne in 83 and 84, following on from, well, Kenny Atchison. Oh, yes, I suppose he was Northern Irish, so that's got a British flag next to it. David Sears in 79. And then Nathan Freak, Wesley Barber. What happened to Wesley Barber? He ran out of money. Nathan Freak, Callum McLeod, Wayne Boyd, James Cole, Scott Malvin in uh, recent years. Dan Camish, of course, in 2013, mm. before going on to doing uh, Winning other stuff. Things. Yes. Sorry, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after nine o'clock. It's all Hallows Eve. Woohoo! Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway. Uh, and that means I get to tell you what's coming up in the second half of tonight's programme. A distinctly US and A feel to the second half of this evening. Uh, so I suppose we could be trick or treating. That's where we got the whole thing from. Uh, Shea Adam will be along with a roundup of all the latest American news, including some very interesting entry list news for the Michelin IMSA Encore at Sebring. I'll be talking a bit of playoff news from. NASCAR and uh, some IndyCar news as well. But before all that, oh, we'll also be looking at some of your tweets to aspect entertainment. But before all that, it's our nine o'clock interview, and we'll be having a word with the scholarship recipients for this year's Team USA. I caught up with them earlier on this week, and that's what's coming up next here on Midweek Motorsport. Motorsport on RS1. For the nine o'clock interview on Midweek Motorsport this week, I've popped about five or six miles up the road from Hindhoff Towers to check in with this year's Team USA scholarship candidates. So let's have a quick chat with them. Introduce yourselves first, gentlemen. Sure. So I'm Colin Mullen. I'm 16 years old from Danville, California, so near San Francisco area in California. It was my first time racing over in the UK. This year I raced with the Mini JCW program and the uh, IMSA Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. And, uh, yeah, really great learning experience so far. I've been really enjoying the trip. And your cohort is? My name is Jake Craig. I'm from Orange County, California, which is just below Los Angeles. Um, I've been racing the F1600 in Canada this year. And it hasn't been too much of a transition running the Formula Ford, so it's been a ton of fun. This is an experience as much as anything else, a life experience as much as anything else. What have you been doing away from the racetracks? Uh, this week, actually, we spent some time in London, so we got to experience the public transportation. So we don't. So you were doing proper touristy things. Yeah, exactly. And we don't. I don't have um, public transportation experience because <laughs> we don't have that in Orange County. But that was actually a ton of fun getting to learn that. What was a must do then for you when you found out that you were coming over here? Aside from the racing, uh, Buckingham Palace was first on my list for sure. And what about you, Colin? Yeah, I mean, pretty much just checking out London in general and just seeing everything there. So, yeah, we did, like Jake said, Buckingham Palace. We checked out the London Eye. And, yeah, just a lot of great experiences in the city. Now, tell me a little bit about the Team USA Scholarship and how you got here. I've seen you race, of course, because you're on the IMSA package in the uh, now, sadly, no more ST category of uh, of 
what this year was for the final time the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. And just before we turned the mic on, we were bemoaning the fact that that was the last uh, category in IMSA competition with a stick shift, with a manual gearbox, three three pedals. Um, tell me a little bit about your season, first of all, and then we'll, we'll get into the racing side of things while you've been over here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my season with the mini JCW team was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, I was only able to do seven out of the 10 races. Um, I missed the first two due to my age. You have to be 16 to race in mm-hmm. IMSA, and I was only 15 at the start of the season. And then um, I missed the last race in Atlanta because I'm racing here, and um, I was really happy to see our team owner, uh, Louis Pericarpi, take my seat in the car and drive at Road Atlanta. So I interviewed him just before the race. I did the, the, the countdown to green from outside the box for a change and walked down and interviewed him. I, I reckon he owed Jeremy Shaw a couple of beers for, for him kidnapping you and sending you to the to the UK, Craig. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much honestly how it, uh, how it happened, how I got selected with Team USA, is Jeremy took notice of me racing in IMSA this year. And, I mean, had such a great season. We had some great successes with the mini team. I mean, I was really happy to be in the ST category before it went away for good in IMSA. So, I mean, yeah, really great year and. Yeah, like I said, that's how Jeremy took notice, did the interview process at Mid-Ohio and then progressed into the shootout. So, And did you have much front-wheel drive, driving or indeed racing experience before you jumped into the Mini JCW? Absolutely none. So uh, <laughs> I started um, doing a spec Miata just in track days with um, coaching from MX-5 Cup frontrunner Mark Drennan before doing a season in open wheel on the West Coast with World Speed Motorsports. And um, I also did a one-off F4 race with uh, Jay Howard's Motorsports Driver Development. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the Mini was completely new to me. So hopping in the first race weekend at Mid-Ohio, didn't have any testing or anything. And so I had to pretty much pick it up on, the, uh, on that race weekend itself. So do you, do you do a little bit of left foot braking on the Mini? I do, you know. We Just can. to balance it through the corners? Yeah, so I mean, if the, if I have the chance to left foot brake, if we're not doing a downshift into a corner, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will do that instead. But if you know, if we're downshifting, of no, course no, no. you have to use, yeah, have to use good old fashioned heel and toe. Definitely, yeah. So that was uh, it was good to get that learning, you know, that learning curve, at least have that, you know, knowledge and experience uh, going into whatever car you might be driving next. And and Jake, for you, were you uh, excited, pleased, surprised, or all of the above to find out that you've been selected? Yeah, I was super excited. I kind of based my season this year off of, uh, I was talking with Jeremy at the beginning of the year to do some F1600 stuff, and it was my first year in cars, um, so my expectations weren't super high. But Carts before that? Yeah, I did carts up. So a very traditional European style of, of career path to that point. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I decided to do F1600 because it was pretty affordable, especially in Canada, and um it was my hope to get on Team USA this year, and luckily that happened, and I'm just getting a ton of experience here, and I'm looking forward to applying that in the future. I heard that you guys had a cracking time at the shootout at Road America, and I also know how long it took Jeremy to make his decision because the whole class of 2018 was so close. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, just the group of us there. I mean, I think any two of us could have gotten along great, you know, going to the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone there was just, we had such a great time, you know. It is obviously a competitive environment, but we got along so well with each other that, you know, we we're all kind of helping each other out in some ways. But, um, yeah, I mean, the level of competition there was uh, was great. All of us were really close in times. And then having that mixed weather condition really helped us be prepared for the UK and see, you know, if there's anyone who would be better in the rain, you know, or anything else than others. So, and Lucas Oil cars were great too. Just a good school car to mm-hmm. get used to, you know, the Formula 1600. So, 
I mean, it was a really great experience uh, overall at the shootout. How much how much uh, wet driving had you had, uh, Jake, before you got to the... How much experience of driving in the wet had uh, you before you got to the, the shootout? Uh, the shootout was actually my first time driving a car in the rain, and it was... It was quite the experience because Road America is not the easiest track in the rain either. Um, you used the shorter version as well, which a lot of people won't have seen before. I've, I've raced it on Sims and Games before. For, it's in Forza Motorsport. But I honestly didn't know that that was a real track, a real configuration that was used. Yeah, I've honestly never even seen the full track. I've just seen the mm. short track because that's the only track I've been to um, for Road America. And... It was just a little bit scary with that kink on the straightaway. Mm. There's not much grip there, so you're just kind of hoping to get through there every lap. A little bit of a wrinkle this year from Jeremy. He always likes to throw different things in. So as well as the two feature race weekends, Formula Ford Festival at Brands, you've got the Walter Hayes Trophy coming up at Silverstone, threw in a British Formula Ford Championship race at the awesome Donington Park as well. That's something new uh, for this year, Colin. Now, how did you get on with that? Yeah, I mean, that was great. I think it was really part of the reason why we... Short circuit, by the way, was that? Yes, yeah, Yeah. we ran the short circuit. Yeah, I mean, amazing track, great elevation changes, very fast. So that was just a really great chance and opportunity to learn the car, learn the driving style and, and, you know, the racing style before we came into the big events like the Formula Ford Festival Mm -hmm. and the Walter Hayes Trophy. So... Yeah, I'm really glad we had that chance just to get in the car. The tires are very different. I did a one-off Formula 1600 race in the U.S. with um, Rice Race Prep mm-hmm. this year just to get kind of get prepared for the shootout in the program. But the tires are such different compared to the uh, are so different compared to the U.S. or even the can- Canadian tires mm-hmm. that that's probably the biggest learning curve that we had getting into the cars. So having that experience to race, you know, with other people on track, all the front runners was really great. And just, yeah, I'm really glad we had that chance going to uh, the Formula Ford Festival. Donington Park, so many great corners there. Through the first corner, which I actually, I love that first corner. You can make a lot of speed uh, through there and catch a lot of people uh, unawares. But then down through the Crana curves, coming over the hill to the bl- the blind brow right-hander at McLean's. That is a great circuit. It's a driver's circuit, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, it definitely is. I think my favorite corner now is the old hairpin because we spent yes. so many sessions trying to get that corner. Not a hairpin at all, of course. And that, that is a misnomer, isn't it? So you hear it, oh, the old hairpin. Oh, it must be slow. Not slow at all. Very committed corner. Yeah, it's one of the most difficult corners I've ever driven because you have to, there's that fine line because there's track limits there. They have a sensor, so you can't go onto the green part of the asphalt. And just getting that corner right every lap is so tricky. That light, slight little kink as you're going in where the left-hand side of the track just squeezes you a little bit and it always feels like you're going in on the wrong line. Yeah, it's all about getting the right car placement on the entry and if you can get that, then you got the corner perfect. But if you don't, you're just fighting the car all the way through. And as far as you, Colin, was that an, another one? Was that one of your favorite corners or one of the most difficult corners or where did you like best at Donington? Yeah, I mean, I definitely say the old hairpin was one of the most difficult corners in the track. But I mean, I just loved, you know, all the elevation, the flowing corners. Uh, I love the chicane at the end. I mean, it just really flows nicely into the straightaway. Let's move on to another classic British track then. Brands Hatch, the Formula Ford Festival. The traditional date at the end of October. We often get a bit of bad weather. What was it like in terms of the conditions? Cold, but dry for the most part. Yeah, I think we actually brought the California weather with us over here. It was beautiful at Brands Hatch. Hopefully we'll have, you know, at least something similar to that at Silverstone. But, I mean, clear skies, <laughs> clear skies all the way. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing weather. The track was fantastic. Love all the elevation changes. Mm. The only thing that's hard about Brands Hatch is we ran the Indy Circuit, so yeah. there's not a lot of places to pass. Correct. 
So I think that'll be much more exciting at the Walter Hayes because we'll actually be able to have some really good race craft instead of kind of throwing it in and hoping for the best at Brands Hatch. Brands is a track that on the face of it looks pretty easy. And particularly on the indie circuit, you think, well, you know what, there's five, six corners to learn. But the nuances of driving, particularly a Formula Ford, where it's all about momentum. And again, it's that commitment that you've got to have going into, say, paddock or into the chicane before the final corner, knowing where you can put the car. And that takes a bit of learning. Yeah, you know, I watched some videos and we did some training with uh, Racecraft 1 before we came here on the simulator. And I was... I drove the track and I was like, this doesn't seem too bad. And then uh, we get here and it's five corners, but you have to maximize every mm-hmm. single corner and get it perfect every lap to get the lap time. And you have to maximize the car setup. And it's just, it's such a tricky track because it's only five corners. Coming out of effectively the second to last right-hander, so from the cut through onto clearways, just trying to get grip there because the camber doesn't help you and it's easy to spin up and of course that just kills your your speed down the front straight absolutely yeah we worked on that last section of the track a lot um through the testing days just to get that rotation on exit because mm. we have to drive a formula Ford, you almost have to slide out the back a little bit to get the rotation so i mean going through that last corner that was huge and it was yeah a big place for us to gain time and over the races it showed how much we worked on that because we were Gaining on the competition a lot through just that one section of the track. You guys we did pretty well in terms of your times. Didn't quite get the, the race results, though. Tell me a little bit about how the, the weekend uh, weekend went for your first year, Colin. Yes, I mean, qualifying was uh, was definitely very competitive. I was two thousands away from second place, and I ended up fourth in my, uh, in my heat group. But, um, yeah, our times were very competitive throughout the weekend. It's just maybe getting a couple, uh, a couple places more in the heats and the semis to get a better starting position for the final, and I think we would have been better set up since it's hard to race our way to the front. But the race, unfortunately, was uh, eight laps instead of 20, and we had many red flags before mm. that. So didn't get the time that I would have liked in the race to try to get into a rhythm and make some moves. But overall, it was, uh, it was very exciting. Ended up eighth, so could have maybe battled up a little bit more, but I was happy fairly happy with the result and then i'm going to the walter hayes i think will definitely be very competitive uh very competitive there very different track at silverstone which we'll talk about at the moment jay you had some speed as well but not much racing look yeah um i ended up third in my qualifying group so i was third for the heat race and then i think i finished that fourth and then uh the semi-final i unfortunately caught some lap traffic at the at a bad time on the track and there's no good time on the brands indie circuit to catch lap traffic definitely not and i winded up losing two positions i believe and then uh, in the final, the car was just so fast. And um, I was passing for seventh or sixth place, I believe. And uh, unfortunately, I got together with the, the car I was passing. Um, so we didn't really get to show our true speed. But I know the car had it in it. And Paddock, was that? Yeah, it was Paddock. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about Silverstone coming up. Very different circuit from what you've, you've had. It's absolutely pancake flat, an old airfield, Formula One track, so it's very wide. And whilst, again, it looks like a simple circuit, the, the, the whole place has been resurfaced since the last time I drove on it. So I don't know where the grip is, but I'm told by everybody that it's very, very smooth. Are you going to go and do some testing there? Yeah, we start testing Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited for that race because I think the slipstream is going to play a big factor in it. And I think the racing is just going to be a lot a lot better compared to Brands because Brands is an awesome track to drive. But just as Colin said, with the defending and stuff, it's just not much places to pass. So I'm Have super- you found it a bit different, both of you, actually? Jeremy and I often will have a heated discussion about defending your position and as against blocking and the 
how it's seen on the opposite sides of the of, of the Atlantic. Have you found it a little more the defense being a little bit more aggressive? Let's say over here, Jack. Yeah, definitely. It seems like it's pretty much open defending here. You can be swerving across the track <laughs> left to right. And in the U.S., I mean, you'd get excluded immediately for that. So that's been one of the biggest learning mm-hmm. curves on the racecraft side of it. Yeah, same for me. I mean, just, yeah, you can really open block pretty much. There are no, you know, double move rules or anything. So you can just, if you see them go to the inside, you can cover the inside as soon as you see them make that move. Well, we wish you good luck for that. But of course, you two guys are in the very early stages of your career. Uh, I'll ask you first, uh, Colin, what, what what is the plans for next year? Have you got signed up for something? Are you back on that? We're going to see you back on the IMSA, on the IMSA package. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, hope, I'd hope to be back in IMSA for sure. Uh, obviously, the Team USA gives me an opportunity in open wheel that I didn't have before mm-hmm. with the Monster Road to Indy shootout. So I'm able to progress through that and get the USF 2000 scholarship. That would probably be my main focus. But if not, um, yeah, I'm testing a, a Honda TCR with LAP Motorsports in, uh, in November. So I'm, yeah, excited to shake down the car for the first time. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can move up to, uh, to TCR next year. We haven't seen the Hondas in TCR in in IMSA before, it's a bit of a beast. Yeah, I'm very excited to get behind the wheel mm. of one. And uh, they've been very competitive in the World Challenge Series over in the mm-hmm. U.S. Them and the, the Hyundais have been battling yes. very closely all year. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to get behind the wheel of one of those and see what I can do. And would that is that in preparation for a, a full season for those guys in what is the new Michelin Pilot Sports Car Challenge next year? I'd say a little bit. It's more so just to shake down the cars and right. see what they can do for the first time with, uh, okay. with HPD. But um, yeah, I think we'll definitely have some more testing uh, throughout the off season, and um, yeah, hopefully you can get uh, get get a seat in the roar at the, uh, the twenty four and get some testing at Daytona. But we'll see. And, uh, and what about you, young sir? Um, you've you you know you set your sights very firmly on getting yourself noticed in the scholarship which you've done congratulations that was a smart thing to do do you feel you're still learning and where you're going to put these skills to use in 2019 yeah most definitely i'm still learning i've learned so much from the racecraft and the car setup side of things especially just from this trip alone um i would really like to get in the monster road to indy next year and do the usf 2000 but if i can't make that happen i mean i have some various things i'm looking at over in asia and kind of all over um just want to have other options out there your family and motorsport family um just mainly in karting um but not any further than that right so you know how hard it is motorsport in your family no no i have no motorsport uh relation to my family so how the hell did you get started then what drove you into it pun absolutely intended (laughs) well uh, i saw nascar race on tv when i was five and pretty much that was it my dad heard about a local quarter minute track where i could start you know racing cars when i was little and um, I tested one of those, just uh, did like the little learning program mm-hmm. that they have and pretty much have been moving up to bigger things ever since. So how come you're not on short tracks or dirt ovals? Why why get into road circuits? Why look at sports cars, endurance and what you've done? Well, yeah, I made the uh, transition into karting when I was maybe around 11 or 12 years right. old. Um, I just found a passion for road racing. I uh, saw some, some sports car and endurance racing when I was younger. Wa- loved watching Flying Lizard back in the day. Oh, yes. Yeah, and so um, pretty much just found that uh, found that passion for road racing, made the switch over, and then, yeah, just trying to keep moving up from there. It was the liveries always for the Flying Lizard cars that always caught people's attention. Definitely, and um, you know, them being based out of Sonoma, which is uh, right where I live, I got to check out the uh, their shop a couple times when they were you know racing in Le Mans and uh, mm. doing all their really big programs back in the day so 
yeah, found that you know passion for it at a young age. Well, we'll credit Seth Nyman then for for getting you on board, although Seth not in, involved. Now, final word from from both of you on the on the trip and the, the whole process so far. Mr. Shaw puts quite a bit of work in here, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, I can't thank him enough. And then all the Team USA supporters, Safe as Fast, and Doug Mockett, and everyone involved. It's just, it's tremendous what they put together for us. And they give us an opportunity of a lifetime to come over here to England. So I'm looking forward to make the most of it. And hopefully, Silverstone, we can get a better result. Absolutely. Same as Jake said. I mean, oh, Jeremy, a huge thanks for giving me this opportunity and, you know, just all the Team USA supporters for uh, supporting us, getting us here. Cliff Dempsey Racing, you know, Cliff and Michelle have let us into their home for a couple uh, couple weeks and just taking care of us while we're here. So I really appreciate, I mean, everyone who's making this program possible. Uh, that uh, was Colin Mullen. And before that, Jake Craig, the uh, Team USA scholarship uh, award winners this year. Thanks to Jeremy Shaw and to uh, also to Michelle Dempsey for uh, setting that up. And Jeremy Shaw listening in tonight and tweeting about that um, gives gives us the definitive news. That was our nine o'clock interview tonight. Two lovely, uh, two lovely young gentlemen there. And. Um, uh, Jeremy Shaw gives us the definitive news on the uh, on the David Coulthard uh, affair. In 1989, Jeremy won the Dunlop Star of Tomorrow Formula Ford 1600 title, uh, yeah. as as well as uh, the if I'm right in saying I think he won the P&O Junior Formula as well, uh, which is very interesting uh, so that's where that's so he wasn't British Formula 4 champion clearly not well he, he was a Formula 4 champion just not the Formula 4 champion he wasn't the British Formula 4 champion no. he also never won the Walter Hayes trophy which is the, what those guys uh, will be talking about uh, that's what those guys will be talking about we're talking about racing at the weekend yes uh, the biggest Formula 4 race in the world now is it yes race no, uh, but apparently uh, I, the I was, you said Jeremy rather than David at one point hmm? apparently you said Jeremy rather than David at one point Jeremy what I don't know I've just been given a, a note by the responsible adult that it was David Coulthard who won these things and Jeremy told us he didn't win them as well yes I, I said we had the definitive news on David Coulthard I from said, Jeremy that's fine yes right okay uh, Jeremy told us uh, that David won the Formula Ford 1600 uh, Star of Tomorrow. Uh, so thank you about that. If I was confused, uh, Jeremy didn't win them. But I bet you he still got the lap charts. Probably could win them. Yeah, well. I, I imagine that his his knowledge of this is that he was in the commentary box, uh, probably with Paul Trostwell and Brian Jones well, so doing a Brian lap chart. Agreed. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. That was our nine o'clock interview for tonight. I want to pick up on a couple of points uh, from that. Uh, uh, Dave Alcock says, uh, did I hear that right? He couldn't enter the Conti races because he was too young at the start of the season. That was Colin when he was racing the, uh, uh, the mini uh, JCW. Uh, he said, only 15 at the start of the season. At 15, I was trying to get a new fast charger for radio-controlled car. Not en- in- entering IMSA, IMSA sanctioned events. I feel such an underachiever. Very good driver. Both of those lads, um, very good drivers. Uh, and um, we have Shea Adam uh, on the line. And we have 
uh, Colin Mullins interest in motorsport partially uh, to thank uh, Seth Nyman and, and Flying Lizards for because that's what got him interested in in sports car racing. You and I have watched Colin racing uh, this year, Shea, and he's done a cracking job for Luis Paracarpi's team, which we'll come back to at the moment. But speaking of Flying Lizards, uh, we might have them back in IMSA. Well, first off, happy Halloween, John. Happy as, Halloween. As it is a big deal over here in the States. Trick or treat? I'll, I'll take the treat today. Oh, uh, okay. I think right. uh, I, I do have a cat sitting next to me, but he's not black, so he's not cursed. Okay. Um, and who doesn't have to thank Flying Lizard well. for their interest in sports cars? Because that's deeply imprinted on my heart as well as Colin, so can't blame him at all. It's no secret that Flying Lizard Motorsports wants to get back into IMSA. They've been looking at it for many, many years, basically since they left. And talks now going on with a couple different manufacturers. They're not ready to announce anything yet, but their intent was reiterated again on Twitter this week after a story came out saying that they were looking very seriously coming into GT next year. And they basically said, we've never wanted to stop looking at coming back into IMSA. We're going to keep working on that. And that's exactly what they're working on. So hopefully we will see Darren Law and uh, the whole organization back in Impsomatic next year. And uh, they're a great group of people. So I can, I really, really hope that comes to fruition. Now, the other thing I want to pick up there was, now I recorded that on, was it Monday or Tuesday? Who knows? Um, earlier on <laughs> this week, anyway. And... Uh, Colin mentioning testing of the Honda TCR cars um, for Lewis Paracarpi's team, LAP, two cars there, and hearing that those guys are ready to commit as a new manufacturer uh, to the TCR class of the newly named for 2019 uh, Michelin Pilot uh, sports car series. Yeah, and they're going to have a team name change as well. It's going to be LA Honda World Racing next year. But the two TCRs that will be running the Honda Civic Type R, already a championship winner in the U.S. because it was Ryan Eversley who won in the Honda last year. So they're going to try and carry the momentum forward. Remember Lewis Pericarpi's team winning the ST championship for Mini in their final outing. So they should be a very strong contender with two cars and there are second, well, there are first official manufacturer and team to commit to TCR for 2019, but be the second new manufacturer because you spoke with Brian Herda yes. at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca earlier, and he declared intent to bring Hyundai along. Yeah, and he was racing with his son uh, at the at last weekend, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, in the the eight hours. Uh, in... And they won their class. So congratulations. Currently in the uh, i30N uh, Hyundai, Veloster is what Brian told Jeremy uh, and I. So that could be two new manufacturers, as you rightly say, in the TCR class of uh, IMSA's second tier championship, if you will, the uh, Michelin Pilot uh, Championship for next year. Um, And that brings us on nicely to the first Michelin event, which is the Michelin IMSA sports car on car at Sebring. 30 entries, just 20. three, uh, excuse me, 20 entries. Yes. Um, <laughs> just three TCRs, um, one Volkswagen and two, two Audis. Um, the Rumcastle 
JDC Miller Motorsports and Mark Motors Racing uh, machines. Uh, no GT3 cars. Now, this is very, very surprising to me. Uh, this is the first opportunity for what will be the GTD class uh, in IMSA next year to run on the tyres that they'll be running on. Uh, what I hear from... Uh, John DeGeese at Sportscar365 is that there are at least four GTD uh, teams with GT3 cars who want to enter their cars, but they can't because they want to run 2019 machines. And either they don't have the machines or the cars involved haven't been BOP'd and homologated yet by IMSA. Yes, the homologated spec that was invited to run the Encore is 2018. So you can run your last year car effectively on the new tires. That means no new body kit for the Acura, no new body kit for the Audis. And I know of teams that I've So none of the A4 versions of those two mid-engined cars. Exactly. So there are teams who think it's more worthwhile to go rent out a track for the weekend than it is to go run the encore which is why we see no gt3 entries uh and uh, a couple of aston martin teams as well that could have been there but of course they're 2019 cars as well gt4s five of those gmg racing with their audi roush performance uh, the coa motorsports ford mustang uh, a pair of those uh Carbon Motorsport with the Audi R8 and a brand new team to me at least. What do you know about Nola Sport and their Cayman uh, Porsche Cayman GT4? Well, it's a team based in New Orleans. A Obviously. new car. Yes, as, as you would expect. But there are some people out there who perhaps don't know the Cajun way of life. Um, the drivers are no strangers to IMSA though. Mike Vess who is an oil man from the Midwest. He's raced in IMSA before. I think in 2014 he actually ran in the what was then the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. Uh, Jason Hart, a guy who you raced against last year in the Coda 24, John, he won the BMW class, and Matt Travis. So three Texans will be sharing that Porsche. Um, and welcome uh, to welcome, them. Yes. Uh, around dozen LMP3s, Ansa Motorsports with three entries. There are Ligiers, uh, Atlantic Racing Team, um, Still with TBD Brothers for the drivers with an ADES. Uh, with, uh, we've also got uh, Performance Tech, P1 Motorsports, K2R Motorsports uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Matt Bell from uh, Newcastle upon Time. We've mentioned him already with Jim Maguire um, for United. Uh, they are listed in a leisure. Extreme Speed Motorsport for Lance Wilsey and Max Hanratty. Polestar Motor Racing. Now, not the same Polestar that run the uh, Lincoln Co. and Volvo Racing Team for Geely. Uh, not at all the same people. That's another leash year. Uh, and they've uh, and JDC's got another car. In fact, K2 have got another one as well for Alex Barron and uh, Naveen Rao. So an, in- an interesting spread there of P3 teams, some of which we know, some of which we don't. And Sim Raceway Motorsports. Now, the only thing I know about Sim Raceway Motorsports is it's the driving skill at Sonoma and that Nico Rondé, one of the drivers there, is, is I think, the head instructor at uh, what used to be called Sears Point at Sonoma Raceway. And he is indeed listed as one of the drivers. What what light can you, you shed on, on those entries and that nice spread that we've got in LMP3? 
Um, you've basically hit all the nails on the head. The only other one is the alliterative team, P1 Motorsports, with mm. the driver lineup Kenton Cook, Jonathan George, and Joel Jenko. Oh, very good. So, uh, all double initials. Very good, yes. Yes, but, but the way that the uh, encore is laid out, you can have no fewer than two drivers and no more than three. Right. And you are not allowed a platinum driver, but you may have one gold driver. That gold driver will be given a maximum drive time. There's no restrictions on anybody else. That's why you see some people in the field like Catherine Legg. We don't know what rating she is going She's to be. She's listed by the time as a silver now, as is Guy Cosmo. Although Bruno Junquera is only listed as a gold. He has been gold for a couple of years now, since his PC uh, outings. So he has been gold for a few years. Um, but we've got some drivers on here who their driver rating might change with the IMSA um, committee that has been put together, that they are going to be putting out their own driver ratings. We don't know what those are going to be yet. And there are definitely a couple of drivers in the field who will be interested to see how their rating, if their rating changes, um, but more on that on a later date. For the Encore, eight sets of tires for the full weekend. It's a four-hour race, so it shouldn't be any issue of people not uh, having enough rubber. But one big thing that people listening who are going to the Encore will need to know, Marion's is not there, so find your own food. You might want to pack a lunchbox if you're going to be at Sebring International Raceway. Or we'll get Joe to bring some food down from Daytona, which is where... uh, (laughs) Exactly. which is where Marion and the rest of the, the team are. Exciting times for uh, IMSA. And um, I'm looking forward to 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 that event. Not I'm not sure what we're going to see, um, but a nice mix of cars. Uh, could we do with a few more? Yes, but entries haven't closed yet. That's true. And from what I heard last weekend, there are a few teams with those GT3 cars who might still show up. There are a few who are based in Florida who have a car ready who might just break out their extra car sitting in the back of the shop. Also, I was surprised not to see uh, Performance Tech Motorsports fielding a car for Cameron Castles, the Masters champion from 2018. He had expressed intent to come and do the race. Uh, the Massons, I would be surprised if they don't show up on the entry list by the time it goes final. Still could be a few more names added. And quite frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets up to about 25 entries by the time the green flag flies on Sunday. Uh, and as far as the... Um, schedule's concerned, quite a compact schedule promote a test day on Friday we'll have coverage Saturday and Sunday and sound and vision three one hour practice sessions, the last session into uh, two separate sessions, um, the split field will be split, not entirely certain how that's going to work uh, yet uh, 30 minute practice on Sunday for the on-car uh, and then four hours of the Michelin IMSA sports car on at Sebring starting at midday local time. Looking forward to that. And as I say, sound and vision across the RSL network. Um, let's move on to a bit of IndyCar news. Um, and, well, it's been dominated um, by uh, Schmidt-Peterson uh, Motorsport news this week. Um, Rob Wiggins... Um, very active on social media this week, um, talking about his condition. He mentioned the word paraplegic for the first time and then had to sort of explain to people it's not necessarily permanent, waiting to, to know what the swelling's going to do on his spiling, spinal cord. But great to see how motivated he is, Shea, and how uh, he's still pushing on with his recovery. 
Yeah, and what a guy. You really you get to know him and he's such a, a kind human being. He he's the type of person that you can meet him once and he'll remember your name if you don't see him again for a year. Just the sort of person that that genuinely enjoys what he does and enjoys people being around him. Uh, it was a very uplifting post to see him do a transfer for the first time on his own uh, from a surface into the chair. People around him have known for a while that he hasn't had use of his legs since the crash, but the fact that he's getting feeling back is mega because that means that his muscles are starting to fire again. That that is And the nerves, yes, absolutely. Final swelling is going down. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so there's there's no way of knowing how complete the damages or how long the regeneration process will take. But he is extremely optimistic that he'll be walking again. He said as soon as 24 months. So we can only hope that that comes to fruition or it's even less than that. In the meantime, the number six car, which is his car for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport, um, is uh, not going to be taken over. They are getting a second driver, but it will be in... uh, a number seven car, Hinchcliffe steers in his car, the five, the six is staying open, and the seven is... Hello, Marcus Erickson. <laughs> Welcome to IndyCar. So that means we're going to have no fewer than four true rookies, or, you know, new rookies on the grid when it rolls yeah. around to St. Petersburg, Marcus Erickson. Uh, we, of course, had the addition of Colton Herta and Padua Ward at the end of last year being brought on for a full season with Harding, this year, which will be exciting. And then the new flying Swede in the form of the new Ganassi driver. Who was that? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Rosenquist. Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be very competitive for the rookie crown next year. Uh, and uh, so now we know what... Um, Should we hear from Marcus? Oh, oh have, we got yeah. a bit, have we got a bit of SOT? Excellent, let's have that. Uh, yeah, I, I actually reached out to, to Sam Schmidt uh, myself. Uh, I, I gave him a call. I had some contacts in Europe. Um, so I was trying to look out at IndyCar. And, uh, yeah, I reached out to Sam and gave him a call. And uh, we had a really good chat. And uh, from then on, uh, yeah, uh, I put him in touch with my management. And then uh, we went on from, from there. And... Uh, yeah, we, we were also speaking to some other teams in the series and in different series as well, uh, you know, to see what uh, what options there was out there. But for me, straight away after that first initial talk with, with Sam, it really felt like uh, it felt right, you know, for me. And I was pushing from, from that moment, uh, which was yeah, a couple of weeks after Sauber announced their driver lineup. So, so from that moment, I was pushing really hard with my management as well just to that I wanted to go to IndyCar and, and with SPM because I felt like that was the, the best, um, yeah, the best team and, and best environment for me to, to do well. So that's how we sort of came along, and then um, uh, yeah, it, it went from there, and uh, yeah, now now we're here, and then uh, the contract is signed, and I'm super excited for next year. Since uh, Sauber announced the drivers for next year uh, with Kim Reikin and Antonio Giovanazzi. Uh, you know, for me, it was clear that I wanted to, to move on and, and find a, a racing series to, to compete in. And, and for me, very early, uh, IndyCar was the most appealing series where I think was going to fit me the best. So, um, 
yeah, that's what I've been sort of focusing on and and then trying to 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 find a, a seat in IndyCar and and uh, that's why you know I'm so happy that uh, that it will will happen and that I found such a great team as well that uh, you know got picked by SPM is is very very special and I feel very proud of that. Uh, as a series, it's really on the up at the moment and it gets more and more attention also in Europe. Uh, so I think more and more drivers is is looking towards IndyCar because it seems. Uh, from the outside, like a like a great series where you can really show off your uh, capabilities as a driver, and I think that's what's very appealing for for a lot of drivers uh, over in Europe as well. Uh, so I think that's uh, yeah probably the biggest reasons. And then I think also when Fernando went over and and did in in the 500, that also uh, I think opened some doors and and sort of made more people uh, think about in the car. And, uh, yeah, also we've seen guys like Alexander Rossi. Okay, he's an American, but he was uh, racing a lot uh, for a long time in Europe. And he went over to IndyCar. He's been doing extremely well. So, um, yeah, I think all these things is, is uh, some of the reasons. Uh, it's difficult to put, like, a specific goal, but I want to be winning races and, and scoring podiums and, you know, do well for the team. Uh, I know it's a, it's a massive challenge, you know, because everything will be new for me, new cars, new tracks. Uh, oval racing, uh, new competitors. So, you know, I'm, I'm very humble and, and I know it requires a lot of hard work for me to, to be successful. But I have no doubt that with my experience and my abilities, I can be, can be up there and, and fight for wins and, and score wins, especially racing for such a great team as, uh, as PM. Uh, so that will be my, my target for next year. Marcus Eriksson uh, speaking earlier there, and uh, only asked him one question. He only said, "How did the uh, how did the opportunity come about?" He just go on a bit, did he? I might have edited out a couple of questions there, <laughs> uh, but he does. He does. He's a good talker. Um, he also said uh, uh, about uh, Felix Rosenquist. Um, they know each other quite well, yes. but they haven't raced against each other since karting. Yes. He also said, I don't want to put a specific goal on it, but I want to be winning races and getting podiums. Yes. That, that's interesting. That's not a specific goal. That's quite a so, so now we know flabby where, goal. So now we know where he's going to be, Nick. And mm-hmm. does he take his money with him for that, do you think? No, because his money is invested into his longbow, isn't he? Who owns bits of the Sauber. Um, I'm sure there'll be some... Obviously, he will be in place. He won't be paid to be doing this. So he'll be placed probably with some, with some of his, his personal sponsors and he'll be doing it and we'll rake off the top. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does. He, he, he's a bit of an enigma, Mark, because it's very hard to place his overall talent level. You know, I, I first met him back, I think, 2007, mm. 8, 7, in Formula BMW, which he won quite convincingly. Yep. He was pretty strong in the junior Rose Formula. Rose and Chris went through Formula BMW as well, of course, Did didn't he? Yeah, it's quite, he was quite, Behind him, yeah. quite solid. In, uh, yeah, but he's not... He's been solid at Sauber. Um, not setting the world on fire, but... Yeah, and certainly wouldn't have been there without the money, but it's certainly not, it's, it's this weird sort of twilight, not really a pay driver, but not really there on merit, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so be, you know, he's now going to a, into a field where he's much more the driver. Um, you have to say the overall talent pool is lower than F1, so let's see what he can do. One thing uh, that is of interest is, uh, of course, when he was racing back in Formula BMW and later on in uh, GP2, uh he had uh, one man behind him who has a lot of experience of Indy uh, as a former Indy 500 winner. And that was? Kenny Brack, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Shall we stay with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport News and uh, a bit of news that was breaking 
whilst we were on air last week and uh, it was a bit unclear about the details of this so I waited until we didn't mention it last week um, but waited until I've spoken to uh, one of the individuals concerned and that is that Piers Phillips the general manager of Schmidt Peterson uh, has uh, stepped down from the uh, organisation Sam Schmidt saying uh, both Rick Peterson and I are thankful for Pace for the impact he's had on the team for the last three years, helping us to get where we are today. And uh, Tyler, uh, Taylor Keel, the 31-year-old uh, assistant GM, uh, will uh, step up to uh, Piers's role. Um, I've had, I was going to say, we'll step into Piers's shoes, but he's got very big shoes. He's mm, a tall lad. Big boy. He's Piers. Uh, and um, we will <laughs> hear in due course where uh, Piers is going to pop up next. Uh, but uh, a new challenge, safe to say, um, that uh, Piers was very kind to give me a call and uh, let me know all was well uh, and what the situation was. And we'll get that to you uh, once all is confirmed um, and uh, so let's move on with Shea Adam on our Halloween midweek motorsport and move on to the uh, the paperclip Martinsville uh, Kyle Bush on pole position for NASCAR and the playoffs uh, far from straightforward but a, a relatively interesting race Shea well let's put it this way there was a recap posted on the nascar website that lasted for one minute and 34 seconds and the racing part began at 34 seconds so it was one minute worth of racing from a 500 lap race uh denny hamlin was the stage one winner joey logano claimed stage two and then it all got interesting right at the end of the race joey logano was not leading at the white flag it was martin truex jr joey logano did the bump and run coming out of the final turn truex came across the line, basically sideways, turned into Logano. Logano wins the race. Why is this more controversial than normal, you might ask? Well, because winning a race locks you into a shot at the championship in Miami. We are now in that home stretch. You've got Texas this weekend. You've got Phoenix, which, by the way, Tim, I spelled properly in the document this time. Yes, you did. I saw that. Phoenix in two weeks. And then the big finale at Homestead Miami Speedway. So... Truex wins the race. He's locked into the championship. But no, Joey won the race. Logano's locked into the championship. Uh, and and but, Truex wasn't very happy because he said he'd no. been racing clean for, you know, 499 laps. Uh, he'd worked his way through to the front. Uh, and then he gets bumped, basically, at the key part of the race. Not a happy yeah. bunny. No, and, and I don't blame him for that, but also there were several NASCAR drivers who came out afterwards and said, Martin, we understand that you're displeased, and, and I'm including in this Dale Jr., mm. but stop being such a nice guy. You're going for a championship. you got to do what you got to do. So they respect Logano and the fact that he made the move, and it's exactly the same thing that we saw with Austin Dillon going back to February for the Daytona 500. You've got one shot to win this race that could potentially change your life. You're going to take it. Yeah, uh, it's exactly, you know, it's the white hats and the black hats, uh, black hats. It's exactly what the championship needs going into Texas and Phoenix before the 
the final, the finale uh, at home state. Um, and so Joey's locked in the final four. He's got a shot at the championship. Um, who's still in with a shout? Kyle Busch, still in. Uh, Martin Truex is still good. And right now, Kevin Harvick is above the cut line. Right below it, Kurt Busch is 25 points down. Then is Chase Elliott, the guy who's already won two races in this championship quest with 31 points down. Clint Boyer's got a much bigger hole to try and dig out of. He's 42 points behind Harvick. And Eric Almirola is the guy that nobody wants to be in his position. He's 50 points down, which pretty much means with two races to go, he needs to win to get in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A win in either of the uh, next two uh, races will guarantee you into the final four. Uh, thank you, Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing for Halloween? Anything spe- uh, spectacularly interesting? Uh, I'm driving a Porsche Cayman, so I'm going to go dig up whatever trouble I can. I've just been sent a, a specification <laughs> for a Carrera T uh, that I've been looking for for a while that you're going to like Ooh. a lot. Uh-oh. Guess this what colour it is. Guess Miami what colour it is. Miami blue? It is, Miami, and it is probably yes. Miami blue. Not Pacific, not any of the other blues that are similar to Miami is blue. Antarctic and Arctic and an Indian blue as well. It is Miami. There are so many different colours of blue that are and so close to that. they're all No, not quite, but they're, they're very similar to Miami blue, but this is Miami blue. I'll send I'll send you the PDF, see what you think. Oh, yes, please. Say hi to mum and dad for me. I will. Say hi to Eve. I will. Thanks, Cher. Cher Adam joining us uh, live on the Halloween version of Midweek Motorsport, where we have just on uh, 10 minutes, nine minutes, let's make it, to go on tonight's show. So let's get back up to London and our executive producer, Tim Grave. It's always as if you expect to have more news to talk about. Well, you did promise us news in Spanish. I did, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> as, as we have... Old Nick Deven uh-huh. here as well. And we've got rid of our Spanish speaker as well. well yeah, no, she always it, well, hates it. She, well, hates she do doesn't it. like it. You know she doesn't like it. So she doesn't speak prob- Spanish anyway. You know that she uh, she doesn't quite go for it the same way as uh, as we do it. it, it it's um, like she doesn't understand. Well, no, she does understand the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's have uh, a look at. Beckettainment on uh, the Twitter age. Uh, Michael Shaw saying normal person short break from motorsport a few weeks between races. Um, RSL person short break a few hours between races. Yes, that is very true indeed. A number of people saying uh, how much they enjoyed our nine o'clock interview tonight with the Team USA guys. Uh, we'll keep in touch with Jeremy about that and see how those guys get on. And don't forget, there if you're in the UK, it's always worth a dodge over to Silverstone at the weekend for the Walter Hayes Trophy. As Tim mentioned, the biggest Formula Ford event anywhere. It, it's When you get there, yes. make sure you turn left and not right. Left and not right. Oh, because it's in the, it's in the Heritage Pit. Yes, and if you go the wrong way, you're going to end up watching some rally cross. Oh, with the split the circuit? Of course, because it's on the national circuit, isn't it? Yes. Which is the better of the tarmac, apparently. <laughs> and this rally truck cross on at the same time? Yes. Ooh. Right. I might... I've got quite a lot to do this weekend, going and looking at cars. So. <laughs> it's a chore, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is a chore. Uh, moving on. Series Elite. 
you remember Series Elite? No. Talked about it earlier in the year. Oh, I vaguely remember. It could be anything. What, who are they? What it, are they? It's the new race series exclusively for the over 50s. Oh, oh yes, yes, old yes. Old blogs. That's more. That's a, more than a few months ago. A year ago, we mentioned them. No, yeah. it was uh, late spring. Oh, that's just my senior, senior moment for me. Then I like this championship. Can I qualify? Let's go. Uh, it's uh, presented. It's a race car. <sighs> Is it? What, light blue and three wheels? It's the Jaguar XE SV Project 8. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, which has received high acclaim from the automotive industry and media. Is it? Yes. It'll be ready for testing early in the new year, mm-hmm. ahead of the full season of racing. It has a 5-litre V8 engine. Right. Uh, with a top speed of 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, this is the latest of Jaguar's project cars, isn't it? Yes. I like that. Uh, the series is targeting high net worth individuals. Yes. Still still unique? Yeah, uh, no. No, that's where he falls down. And is the unique premise of a racing series for novices who never had the opportunity to go racing when they were young. I have everything apart from the high net worth. As well as more experienced drivers who raced in the younger days and still have a need for speed. I have to point out that John's... Is, is, is actually showing me some shocking, shocking video action of several Maseratis catching fire because hundreds because they got, they got um, inundated with salt water. In hundreds floods, of brand new Maseratis were reduced to molten plastic in an Italian uh, port last night. The luxury vehicles were parked at the terminal awaiting transportation to millionaires in the Middle East when floodwaters suddenly engulfed the car park at the port of Savona in uh, Liguria. And torrents of salt water caused the car batteries to explode and fueled a roaring inferno that swallowed uh, hundreds of sports cars in seconds. My guess is there's some exaggeration in that. No, I'm sure there isn't. <laughs> Touching by the website you're on, I think there probably is. No, I think not. Uh, SillyStoriesAreUs.com. Uh, sorry, moving on. Oh, it's from Fran. It was Fran, yes, from Fran. Fran to Don't do that, Fran, to me. Oh, God, Death of Maserati is a nightmare. Mm. I feel that uh, salt water affecting the trident is this. There's that, an irony there. Is there. An irony, there, there yeah, is an irony, yes. and that is an irony. <laughs> That's not a coincidence. No, it's That's not just irony. unfortunate. Well, point. it is unfortunate. But it's not just unfortunate. No, there is irony there. There's as well. an irony involved in that. Have you got some news in Spanish for us? No. Oh, okay. Arriba. I was why, did you, why did you trail the he start trailed then? It at the beginning? I was well, very because excited. Because you used to be run out of time and... Oh, it was a fake trail. I, I do a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I've just... Died. Well, frankly, I'm shocked. Do you want some Formula 4 news? Uh, well, I was I was going to wrap up a bit of sports car news from the ELMS, if you if you oh, like ELMS to. ELMS uh, concluded at the weekend. Yes. Yes? Yes. In Portimao. Correct. Wow, that's extra, that's extra information. Yeah, didn't on have. the Algarve in uh, Portugal. Congratulations to RLRM Sport, uh, who won the LMP3 title and secured themselves in the meanwhile a LMP2 entry for the Le Mans 24 Hours. Uh, they um, snatched the LMP Championship trophy. 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 Yes. Uh, like a trifle, for the but... f- for the first time. The LMP3 Championship Truffle, <laughs> Truffle um, is not going to Garforth because LNT and United uh, are both based on the same industrial estate there. Um, 
the I hope you listened to it and watched it at the weekend. It was a cracking race. It was a bit of an odd one uh, for RLR, Bolton's finest. Um, their strategy rather backfired. Uh, it managed to finish fifth, which was uh, good enough to take the title, but um, they just about made it to get the the points uh, from their rivals. Uh, in LMP2, if I look at the quickly have a look at the uh, other championships uh, G-Drive Racing Roman Rusinov and Andrea Pizzatola uh, they've got themselves an entry at the 2019-24 hours um, and by the way the M Sport RLL M Sport full season drivers uh, Job Van Utert John Ferrano and Rob Garafal they're already testing a new Orica 07 uh, for ELMS and Le Mans and possibly coming to the Rolex Daytona 24 hours as well. Proton Competition took the title. Uh, Gianluca and Giorgio Roda, the first ever father and son duo to take an ELMS title. Uh, they've got uh, a pair of WEC entries with another auto entry for the class win in GTE. I'm in the bag. Uh, Christian Reid could have all four of their 911 RSRs. Uh, second in GTE, Jim McWhirtless, GMW Motorsport, uh, get the uh, second entry, which means they have an auto entry to Le Mans as well. Uh, and uh, and that's it, isn't it? I've mentioned them all now. Uh, Terence Wood- Woodward, 360 Racing, won the uh, Gentleman of the Year award from LMP3. Like open doors for ladies and um, put his coat down in puddles and, and always was first to the bar. Uh, and the man of the year was uh, uh, Gilles Duquesne of Duquesne Engineering. Um, he got the man of the year award. So well done to all of the, those uh, guys. That's the ERMS man of the year. Obviously the real man of the year awards come uh, at the end of next month. Uh, yes, and we'll be announcing our categories. We, it's not called that anymore, is it? Wait, it's in the person of the year now, isn't it? No, it, it's just our <laughs> celebration, our yearly celebration. Our celebration of the year. Yeah. Cotty. Cotty, celebration of the year. The best of the year. The two best two of the weeks' year. time just we'll the best be year. Uh, looking B-O-T-Y. at the body. Two, two weeks', weeks time, uh, we'll be wanting your nominations. Okay. Uh, there was something else I was going to mention as well. Oh yes, uh, we will have, we still have some live motorsport for you before the end of the year. Uh, over the weekend of the 11th, working on a couple of things. Certainly, we'll be at the uh, IMSA, the Michelin IMSA Encore, with a couple of days of sound and vision for you. Possibly another event as well. The week after that, we'll be uh, at Corta, not Corti, mm. uh, for the final. Creventic uh, FIA Endurance Series 24-hour race of the year. And Shanghai as well. And Shanghai for WEC for their final race of the calendar year and the final race of our coverage uh, for the WEC for this This year year. as well. Calendar year. Yeah. So that's all still to come within the next few weeks. So don't think that just because things are coming to a close everything's all done and dusted as far as the radio show limited network of channels is completed now did you manage to find the christian Fittipaldi interview it wasn't lost yes excellent so that will be coming up next so settle back on halloween uh lock the doors don't answer them to trick or treaters and we'll give you no trick but a treat of christian Fittipaldi in one of our long ones recorded at weathertech 
uh, uh, race for Laguna Seca earlier on in the year. Anything more from you, Tim? Uh, no, not for broadcast anyway. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> it's always a bit worrying. Uh, from you, Nick? No. Happy Halloween for the rest of you, and um, well done for tuning in at the right time for those of you whose clocks didn't change uh, at the weekend. We'll be back same time next week, which is eight, still going to be 8 o'clock. Uh, it is, however, 8 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time that we'll be back to again next week until the clocks go forward again next March. And hopefully we'll all be on the same time, uh, back to our normal time zones sooner rather than later. But there's no time to explain because the Lama is settling back, waiting for Christian Fittipaldi. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.